the there you know, go. if you wanted Making your more power space. nice and warm when you had to change it in <laughs> 1984, uh, that that was the way to go. <laughs> Love it. And that thing must have smelled even better when it overheated. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and if it catches, if it does catch fire, there's you hit the point of no return immediately. <laughs> yeah, tires it's burning. over immediately. It's over immediately. It's no saving that one. So. Nice. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, Chris Rich. I'd have to get before we move on. I'd have to assume that there is less uh, spare tire overheatings and more of the both of my friends went flying out the bed of my truck and died on the highway. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. We got into a three mile an hour fender bender and there were five fatalities. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Doesn't have to be a brutal accident, but everyone's dead. (laughs) And we can't get it to stop burning. Some kind of fuel <laughs> source on top of the Uh, welcome to the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast, episode fifty-one. Right? Nice. We just stumbled through the very first thing you said. Fifty-one. I think fifty-one. Uh, we're your hosts, Dylan, and that's Joe. Hi, everybody. And we've got a special group of people today. They're called really the do. Women's Team. So everybody, just introduce yourself and tell us uh, what your first car was. Great idea, Dylan. Awesome. I'm Kevin Waters, and my first car was a 1994 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. Beautiful Ooh. car. Mm-hmm. Wow, there we go. I'm Chris Rich. My first car was a 96 Volkswagen GTI. Hey, there we go. All right. My name is Chris Hatch, and my first car was a uh, 2005 BMW 330Ci. Very sweet. I remember it. And uh, hey, Joe, what do you got? I'm Joe Collins. My first car was a 1987 Chevy Camaro. Nice. (laughs) It was a 2006 Dodge Grand Caravan with (laughs) analog windows. You had to roll them down. (laughs) That's awesome. But it had stow and go seating. So as soon as you think it's not fancy, it is. You fit a bed back there. Don't ask me how I know that. Hey, Stone Go oh, was a cool feature. The 06 was great. Nice job, Joe. Um, Thank you. So, Dylan, uh, what was your first car? It depends on who you ask or... If the I'm black one. Car. The black one. No. Nope. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't. Yep. My first car was a 1985 Chevy C10 I got for free for my cousin who got it from some guy who was going to jail. And I never <laughs> had it. I never had it. When I turned 16, I was too embarrassed to have it. So I yeah. sold it for $300, which I regret. But uh, that was actually my first car. And then the actual car that I drove was a 1996 uh, BMW 3 TMTI. And that was black. That tracks. So That tracks for your, your non-embarrassing first car. Leave yeah, it to you to also be like, yeah, it's my first car, but I have to have a fucking sick, cool one. <laughs> I can't well, just have a regular helps, teenager car. If it helps. Your car was I, great. When I bought it, I thought it was front wheel drive. So just to tell you where I was at at that time, 
<laughs> I had to ask. I didn't know. I sure, just said, hey, everything else is... sold in the United States that's that shape is front wheel yeah. drive. So yeah, you know. it naturally makes sense. So um, yeah, that's where I was at. So all right. Well, um, if anybody here is planning on uh, running for president, just listening to this ep- this podcast uh, sets you back a little bit. Now you guys are on it. So uh, buckle up. Um, so we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, we're not to use your full name, but in the future, when they have facial recognition software for YouTube videos, you're fucked. So you might want to just get done out of this right now. But it's the Dylan Joe Basement podcast, episode 51. Let's fucking do it. It's called Top Six Cars. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Uh, so, Dylan, will you start just for my uh, tracking of this whole thing? I, my thing's set up where I can go across the board here. Uh, it goes Dylan, Joe, Kevin, Chris, and Chris Hatch. So nice. I think, Dylan, you should start, and then it'll be easier to track what we're doing here. No, absolutely. Mind. That's exactly how mine goes to up top there, which is great. Beautiful. So, um, so out of my number six best cars of all time, my pick for number six is the 1935 Graham house car with the snow package. And for those of you who don't know what this is, most people don't. It has the nickname, the Dodo Bird, because it's so rare. They only built like under 50 of them. There was one for sale in New York forever. And, it and now is, they're all extinct? Uh, nope, this one exists. Uh, someone, so the original guy who bought it, bought it for... Uh, he wanted to buy something that he could drive with his wife and go camping in and realize it was a huge mistake type of car. But it is literally the car that you drew when you were a kid, when you drove, drove your family on driving around cars. In. <laughs> yeah. It has the snow package. It has um, it's the iconic shape and you can live in it. So <laughs> I had to, for number six, throw in a car that can plow, can tow, and you can live in it. 1935 graham house car joe will pull all up purpose joe's got pictures of these cars right here in space yeah. as we go i mean you guys might be able to better track in your mind what these cars look like but the viewers of the podcast will see them as we're talking we're looking at it right now that's the dodo itself and uh i mean just even those those aspects of it that you just said i mean goddamn it's gonna be hard to fight against that it's, it's, gonna got, a, it's got it all yeah. not sure you we can find a better car, car for number six so uh yeah, Joe, it's on you. They can't even let you get snowed in. You plow yourself right out at that yeah. Walmart parking lot you're staying in on the weekends. Back when they let you. When you're just trying to live. Exactly right. My number six pick, as all my cars are going to be, are iconic. Because <laughs> I don't know the, the nitty gritty of it. But this one's called the uh, the DMC DeLorean. Coming out in 1981. Nice. Assembled in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And designed by Giorgio Giorgiari Giorgio. Yeah, I'm assuming he's Italian by his name. I didn't bother to look him up, apparently. But I know the company was founded by John DeLorean, because I watched a whole documentary about him, starring, strangely, uh, Alec Baldwin. Anything about him in the news recently? I haven't heard from him in a while. It's been a couple months. Uh, yeah, yeah. The guy worked for GM for years, and they called him a genius at working there. And they let him design his own car and start his own company, and it completely tanked commercially. But... That's not the end of the story, obviously, because you hit that thing at 88 miles per hour and you get a couple of gigawatts going and you're going back to the future in Hill Valley. Of course, it's the back to the future car. It's cool as hell. And I can only imagine 
also didn't look it up that the price of those things is skyrocketing in the past 20, 30 years because of the fact that they get more and more rare. A lot of people didn't buy them or take care of them at the time. So every time you find one of those bad boys with a gold wing door, you think you're going to jump in there with Doc. And uh, it's just cool as hell. You know, if you saw one of those on the street now, you'd, you'd turn your head and you'd whistle. I don't care who you are. So without saying too much, that's my number six pick, the DeLorean. You forgot to mention it has one feature that most, if not all cars don't have is that it's I might have not forgotten. I might have not known. It's a stainless steel body, so it doesn't run. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. so it's good. It's you know antimicrobial. You can just wipe it down at the end of the shift and then yeah. you're uh, you're good to go. The same stuff you use to polish your kitchen uh you know refrigerator, you can use to clean your car. Pretty sweet. Perfect. That's my number six pick, which will bring us to Kevin's pick. You know, I'm, I'm going to bring up a really rare vehicle in this kind of one. Um, talking about the 1984 to 2001 Jeep Cherokee. Okay. Ooh, this is a quintessential vehicle. Okay. Everybody knows somebody who had one of these, and we all have the same feelings toward it. You can't kill this car, it's unkillable. They're starting to get a little pricey these days because finding a clean one that's not totally rusted out is, is challenging. But these cars are like unkillable. I think, uh, Everyone needs one of these in their fleet, especially heading to the winter months, New England region. Perfect car. Yeah. Top, if I'm not mistaken, six. I mean, I, and I might be many times this podcast, if you to correct me, but isn't that considered one of the first sport utility vehicles, the Jeep Cherokee? You know, honestly, I'm not a connoisseur of Jeeps, but yeah, I think that, I think it might be. Yeah. I, that's what I know about it. Besides this oh. awesome uh, name, Native American name. You have the Apache, the Chinook, and then the Cherokee, which is a 1980, whatever Jeep. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's good for 14 miles a gallon out of a three liter inline six, right? A four, four liter, yes. It's a four liter. Okay, yes. yes. Absolutely. Uh, up, up to 90 horsepower out of this enormous amount of displacement. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Solid pick. I feel like that could have been easily, that could have easily been a number three. This is, yeah. we're, we're getting tight. Well, he came to play, apparently. Yeah, coming in hard. Respect. All right, Chris. Do you uh, cede the floor to CWR? <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Go ahead there, Chris. So, uh, Joe, I don't know if you want to share the uh, photo that I sent you earlier. Oh, boy. Oh, let me pull it out. It's on my, uh, my message so even, here. Even in this group, this is an oddball one. So, you know, yeah. if you're going to have a bunch of weird cars that, that break all the time or that you compete in events with, you know, you need something to haul them there. And, you know, when you're looking for a hauler, typically you want something with a lot of power. Um, ideally, a lot of comfort, reliability, uh, wide parts availability. So if you do have a problem on the road, you're good to go. It also is going to need a low loading height, so you can easily get cars on and off it. Very and nice. Just to pause you really quick, Dylan, you have to enable sharing because this one, I do agree. I'm not going to be able to, you can't just conjure this in our heads. He's going to have to show it right now. Yeah, Chris was doing a good job. I was conjuring pretty well. Oh, I'm sorry. I, so I, I didn't mean to interrupt him. I just, uh, I know. So if he wants me to show it now before he's done talking and really sell us that on, I got to be able no, to share. No, let's show it. Yeah, let me uh, yeah, enable. Right. I'd, say, I'd say go for okay. it. Okay, you're good. Very you're nice. Good. All right, here we go. Looks a little something like that. All right, continue. Ooh. Wow, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we this, go. Now we're talking. This is, this is full frame, Chevy big block or Cadillac 500 cube. Cadillac Eldorado front seats, front wheel drive. So you basically chop off the car right behind the doors and weld a low bed aluminum trailer to it. So now you have the world's most block powered reliable car hauler and you don't have to find a spot to park a trailer. <laughs> well played, well played. 
And wow. do you, does, is the noble included with this purchase? <laughs> uh, it, it might be, although that might destroy the reliability part of the equation. That Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm feeling this big time, Chris. This was Beautiful. a real, real solid number six. And I, uh, I, I think there's not a person here who couldn't use that vehicle, even Joe. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You're kidding. Joe just right? had his catalytic converter stolen in Providence <laughs> off of his CRV. So I could have hauled that uh, thing over and in style. That would have yeah. been something else. And no one's stealing the cats off that thing because it doesn't have any. So, Joe, this <laughs> solves all your problems. <laughs> Out of curiosity, Joe, how many uh, catalytic converters do you have on that on that car? Right now I have three just for double redundancy, but uh, it's costing <laughs> me an arm and a leg. So it's really not fucking worth it. Yeah, those things have gone up in price uh, pretty significantly. Lots of rare earth materials in there. Yeah, I wonder if there's a correlation there, but I'm no expert. <laughs> so what was the name of that one, CWR? Uh, the Eldorado Car Hauler. Hell yeah, Eldorado Car Hauler. Known far and wide amongst enthusiast car circles as, as the ultimate vehicle. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful for number six, too. You really came to play much like Kevin did. Which brings us on to Chris Hatch for our number six pick. All right. So uh, unfortunately, my number six pick, my original, I, I found out today Kevin had stolen. So uh, I, I have to do a little audible here. Uh, that was, that and was number six on your list? part of the game. Uh, yes, it was. I'm sorry to disappoint you. So, uh, I've decided that the number six pick for me is going to be the C8 Corvette. And the reason why is because okay. they took a iconic automobile that had always been a rear-wheel drive, front-engined, you know, classic muscle car, American, and they said, yeah, we're making it mid-engine. And uh, honestly, I think it worked phenomenally. The car looks great. Um, you know, the price to performance ratio is very impressive. Uh, if you can find one for MSRP, which is damn near impossible. Um, you know, but I think that they really took it from, you know, like a older gentleman's vehicle and catered towards, you know, a newer generation. Uh, and I really think that's what's at this point, keeping the Corvette alive, because had that not happened, it may have just faded into obscurity at this point. Yeah. Now only young people buy Corvettes. <laughs> You'd be hey, surprised, you know? Joe. <laughs> Is it not the quintessential midlife crisis car rivaled only by the Ford Mustang? I mean, I think the Corvette beats it for midlife crisis car. Oh, for sure. Right? Oh, absolutely. But I be number, if we're doing a midlife crisis car list, it's number one with a bullet easily. This The second, has the Z06 come out yet, Chris? Hatch? Uh, no. I was just going to ask though. you that. I'm glad you asked him. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I was thinking of you, Joe. Um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you. I guarantee you that when the Z06 does come out, there will be a old timer going through his JC Whitney catalog, getting the first set of chrome wheels he can possibly get that Z06 <laughs> and going 55 down the highway within days of that thing being released. So In we style. joke that they are still buying them. I promise the boomers. JC Whitney, man, name drop right there. Wow. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. they also made it very Ferrari-esque. So, yeah. you know, every guy that's driving that thing in their head, this is a Ferrari, maybe a 360 or a 430. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't have the badge, but it's almost there. Very Ferrari, yes, you're right. Might as well be. The Z06, basically, they stole the 430 motor. So there we go for uh, a solid number six pick from Chris Hatch. So 
we are That's at voting time um unless you guys want uh my friend here dj bp made of an exhaust to throw mm -hmm. in his vote and his vote did come from a, a certain group text and it's uh it's part of a long list of six votes and it's the chevy trailblazer the trailblazer <laughs> yes is the trailblazer that's that's very nice and uh, i do love that he contributes are we adding a sixth person to this list that we're gonna have to attribute well Cars i to? want you to to take the wink wink on i think that this was too funny of a comment from uh from chris rich here to uh -huh. not pull in as a, another control to just go down the list of different types of chevy trailblazers <laughs> Oh, it needs to be it needs to be in this podcast you can for, for the good of the show six. you have to do it you, you can't listen to me all i'm thinking of is the extra 45 minutes of editing i have to do to put in all the chevy trailblazers for the fucking robot you gotta just let it in it's gonna happen he, it's for the he, good of the pod our robot here who put in his time has a list of almost identical models no one's gonna get it until we get through this but it starts with chevy trailblazer and that's his pick for a top and can you say it one more time just so i know what the picture to find Chevy Trailblazer, just throw one in there. Oh, so we'll just do that the same one six times because I thought it was nope, different. Nope, just, just stick with us, Joe. It'll make sense. It will make sense. Understood. Promise. Yep, not a lot of explanation needed. Once we get through this, uh, you will understand. Sounds good. Exactly. And, and at that, let's start the voting. Dylan, you yeah. get to vote first. Uh, all right. Let me to so, recap uh, it for first, you. We, first, we yeah, have you uh, read this off again? Yep. We have the, uh, the Dodo. We have the DeLorean. The Jeep Grand Cherokee, the El Dorado call hauler, call car hauler. That's difficult to say. And then the CA Corvette, if I didn't mistake that. All right. I choose El Dorado car hauler for number six. Best number, best number six car in the entire world. I also choose the uh, El Dorado. Just oh, I didn't know there. it was your turn to vote. That was the know, that was my no, I also choose car hauler. It's going to be a sweep. <laughs> Go ahead, CWR. I'm sorry. I'm just talking shit. You know, <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, I think Chris's point on the C8 is, is real well warranted. I think that's a really significant car. There uh, are probably a few more of those out there. So that's your vote. Yeah. All right, Chris Hatch for the yeah, final honestly, vote. I think I'm gonna go for the De DeLorean. And the reason why is that everybody knows what that car is, right? Like oh, you know, I should have voted for it, could have had a tie. You could you could show somebody any car, right? And you know, non-car people, they may or may not know what it is, but a DeLorean, everybody knows what that is. It's an iconic car. It gets my vote. Absolutely. Great well vote. fought, everybody, but that takes our number six vote. I mean, the Eldorado car hauler is the top six car of all time. Mark it down for the list. Mark it down. Chris Hatch has got the list. And uh, all right, so now uh, Joe Collins, you go first for best number five car of all time. You got so we'll it. We'll go around the circle here. This one's a fun one. And uh, I, I couldn't remember the name of it going into it, but I knew the story behind it, which means that I'm going to tell the story. So this one is the Jaguar XKSS. And the reason why I picked it is because of one particular actor who was well associated with driving cars very fast, especially on screen. And that's one Steve McQueen. You yeah. guys ever heard of him? I've heard of Steve uh, McQueen. Maybe. 
Yeah, well, maybe that'll help. Yeah. <laughs> Ka-chow. All right, all right. Anyways, this thing, his particular model of this, so he had, they said, I might be wrong with this, but in my research, it said there was only 16 put in production of the same model that he had. And this is one nicknamed the Green Rat by the law enforcement of the Los Angeles, as well as Steve McQueen. He, he actually had a challenge put out by the state, or not the state, the city police chief of Los Angeles, that he would buy a steak dinner for the man and his family who could catch Steve McQueen in the Green Rat, pull him over, and issue him a speeding ticket. And none of them could catch it. He was zipping all over L.A., speeding everywhere he goes. Obviously, most people don't want to pull him over. He's a movie star, especially back then. You're basically immortal and immune to any law enforcement. But in 1959, he was caught in the Green Rat. And at that point, he let the police officer know that his wife is in labor and he got a police <laughs> escort to the hospital <laughs> and no ticket was issued and his wife wasn't in labor. Um, but that that uh, challenge was never completed by the Los Angeles <laughs> Police Commission. And uh, the thing uh, can go zero to 60 in 5.2 seconds, which I know probably nowadays doesn't seem like that fast. But in 1959, I mean, the Big deal. police couldn't even catch the damn thing. It's a beautiful looking car. The Green Rat is a, you know, a, a kind of cute devilish nickname for it because uh, how sneaky it is. But it's just a really, really beautiful looking car, especially in that like forest green that he has going there. And uh, a top speed of 149, which I guess is enough to outrun, you know, whatever police cars they had in L.A. at the time. And I just thought that was a really cool story. And it goes down in history as one of the uh, top iconic cars of all time. And not only is it cool, it's fast. It beats the Popo, which is the history of stock car racing itself, along with Steve McQueen, which is, you know, there's a reason why they called him Lightning McQueen in the movie. And it ain't because Paul Newman was racing. It's because it was Steve over there. And, uh, yeah, that's my pick. The Jaguar XKSS, the Green Rat, the 1959. 1956 is the one he had. 56. Pick. Is that it behind you? Yep. Good chow. <laughs> that's, the, that's the green Jaguar XKSS? Yeah, it's sponsored by Rusty's. There we go. I see the Florida, <laughs> Kevin. All right. So this one's pretty wild, but I think it's a solid number five, ultimately. Going to go ahead and go with the 1987 to 1989 Dodge Raider forward slash the Mitsubishi Piero, Piero, not sure how you say it, doesn't matter, four-cylinder, 2.6-liter Chrysler motor, okay, which was also found in the K car, so this is parts galore for these things. They also included a yeah. fairly amazing feature in my eyes. It had an inclinometer, okay, it measured both vertical tilt, horizontal roll of the car, so you really wow. understood where you were in this thing, like when you're driving down your driveway, maybe, off-roading, I don't know. <laughs> any and all of it car is absolutely amazing they're damn near impossible to find these days so if you guys are ever on facebook you see one shoot me an email we'll make it happen that's pretty cool i know that some modern cars have that but would you say 1986 that's a long time ago to have that kind of technology in the car serious stuff like yeah so high tech yeah it went from like having an inclinometer in 1989 oh sorry what was that no, but Kevin, I'll, I'll have to introduce you to Carl, uh, the guy that owns the warehouse where I'm storing my cars. He's got a really nice one, uh, two-door, dark blue. Uh, it needs somebody who can weld, um, so I'll give you more information on that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really nice. It, it's an amazing, like, five-footer 
and then you stick your head underneath it, and then that's why you need a weld. But it, it, it's got new paint. It runs great. So, yeah. You've seen most of the cars I've bought. Yeah, most of the cars I have owned need some sort of welding for whatever right. reason. Right, right. Yeah. I'm into it. At least you don't have to pay for the new paint job. Dylan, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, it took. they skipped like uh, 30 years from 1987, or you said they, they stopped making these in, what, 94? Um, yeah, then like I think the, yeah. nine. Yeah, so the next inclinometer came in like what the Raptor or the new Bronco or one of those. I mean, we took I, I a, they, a giant gap between having a really cool feature. Uh, yeah, what a drop off. I could be mistaken, but I think they threw one in the Subaru Brat as well, which is also ah. a really top tier car. Not to very important. Cars, but yep. Yeah. Uh, I guess so. I should have said my number one. Now I'm regretting it. <laughs> Hey, the brat, the brat's, you know, brat's awesome. It has rear-facing seats in the bed. Yes, job. exactly. Yeah. Yes, you can like, sit in the. It's a truck Subaru, back before the the, what's the yellow? What's the other one? The newer Baja. one? Tribeca. No, Baja. The Baja. Baja. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it had seats back there, so you could sit in the bed with no roof on you, looking behind you. I would love to do that. That sounds fucking yeah. awesome. And then the Super other cool. benefit of having the uh, seats in the bed is that they wanted to make more room for storage. And they did this in the sedans and wagons too. So with the flat you know, four engine, that allowed them to place the spare tire on top of the motor. So when you open the hood, the main thing you actually see is the spare tire. And then you can sort of see the engine around the sides of it at the bottom. It's, uh, That's awesome. More, you know, more companies don't do that these days. But uh, you know, if you wanted your spare more space. tire nice and warm when you had to change it in <laughs> 1984, uh, that, that was the way to go. <laughs> Love it. And that thing must have smelled even better when it overheated. <laughs> well, and, and if it catches, if it does catch fire, there's you hit the point of no return immediately. <laughs> yeah, you have tires it's, it's over immediately. It's over immediately. There's no saving that one. So nice. All right, cool. All right, uh, Chris Rich. I'd have that? to get before we move on. I'd have to assume that there is less uh, spare tire overheatings and more of the both of my friends went flying out the bed of my truck and died on the highway. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. We got into a three mile an hour fender bender and there were five fatalities. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Doesn't have to be a brutal accident, but everyone's dead. And we can't get it to stop burning. Some kind of fuel source on top of the engine. (laughs) It's bad. That's a great pick. Yeah. So So the brat wasn't a pick. Oh, no, but that wasn't a pick. It was actually the the, uh, radio. We talked a lot about it, but I was not on the list (laughs) yet. So, but still, it was still a great car. The Dodge Raider. All right, well, that means that uh, CWR is your turn there, big shoots. So, for uh, if that's a letter canning reference, that's it is well, well yes. done. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think right. you get it. Now, I that's can call you all pheasants. This is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so, my, my number five uh, is the Porsche 911, which Ooh. is, you know, in, in this day and age, it's kind of a cliche. You know, a lot of people think about it as, you know, Geez, you know, my orthodontist finally uh, sold me enough braces that they can buy a 911 <laughs> convertible. Uh, and that's true, you know, but when it started out, it was a, it was a pretty revolutionary car. Um, engine in the back was still an oddball concept. It's still an oddball concept today. And when that car came out, it was one of the first truly reliable sports cars that was also competitive motorsport that you could throw your kids in the back and actually go away for a weekend. And uh, especially the older ones are known for going hundreds of thousands of miles without a lot of issue. Uh, they're competitive on the track. They were competitive in rally. Uh, you can get them in rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, turbocharged, convertible, Targa. 
you know, that car has really gone through uh, many, many different iterations of the same general formula over its lifetime and it's remained popular. Uh, Porsche actually tried to kill it off in the 70s when they came out with the 928, which is the front engine V8 car that, that was supposed to eliminate it. And there's a, a you know, fantastic story about one of the uh, head engineers at Porsche that, you know, they had a chart on the wall showing the timeline of, of each car and they showed the 911 coming to an end and then the 928 kind of picking it up. And the guy picked up a marker and, you know, drew a line continuing the 911 line off the edge of the chalkboard and around the corner of the room on the wall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they said, this, this is really kind of defied our brand permanently. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting car, you know, and, and I love the fact that today, yeah, you can get your, um, you know, sequential paddle shift, uh, basic 911 convertible, um, which is a spectacular car and over hundred grand now, which is also kind of mind blowing. You can get something up to it, you know, GT2 RS, which is a uh, absolute handful of a, you know, five, 600 horsepower monster. Uh, so it's an interesting car, you know, I said it's become a little cliche, but I, I think it's a really significant impact on the, on the uh, sports car, uh, you know, market in general over its uh, six decades of production. Well, you know, things become a cliche for a reason. They're cliche because they're so played out, which means that they're so popular and so ubiquitous that everyone hears so much about it. They go, oh, enough of that. That's the reason why it's so popular though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And one yeah, thing, um, some of the marketing about the 911, uh, well, it's Porsche in general, but it's focused on 911 is, um, for one of their Let's all focus on 911. Well, thanks, Joe. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll says, never forget. It says, it says Porsche 911, there is no substitute. And I really think that holds true always. There really is no substitute for 911. Yeah. No, I mean, that's absolutely true. It's not a Ferrari you know, and it's not a Camaro. It's kind of lives in its own realm of this attainable, but, ex you know, still expensive, but up until recently, anyway, attainable car that, you know, you said, oh, well, in, in 20 years, that's definitely going to drive. Uh, and it's definitely kind of, I mean, what other rear engined, you know, rear wheel drive cars exist in this day and age? I think it's really just the 911 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't have any other for you. And one other fact to Chris, Chris Rich, you touched upon that it's air-cooled and that does remove one entire system of a car. It's almost like an organ in a body. So it's one less thing to fail. So if you don't well, have to, water to be pump. Fair, the first, you know, seven or eight years of water cooling uh, was not uh, the smoothest sailing. So it took them a while to figure that out too, like all the rest of them, but pretty solid these days. Yeah, AKA the 996 or you said the 928. Right. So, right. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Solid, solid pick. So happy it's on the list. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Hatch, what do you got, man? Uh, so interestingly enough, I, I had down for this pick, the uh, 993 Turbo S, which was kind of the pinnacle of the air-cooled 911. Going uh, head to head. But, you know, I, I think... Will it split I, the vote? We'll see. Well, so, so it's a redundancy. So I'm going to change it up. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to go with the, the king of Porsches. The Carrera GT. Nice. Ooh. The Carrera, Carrera GT, GT. Uh, was developed, you know, basically alongside Porsche's Le Mans program. Uh, originally, they were going to have a turbocharged uh, engine in there, but they decided that that really didn't fit, you know, the, the marquee. So they put in a high revving V10 instead, um, arguably one of the best sounding motors, I think, of all time. Uh, they only produced 1,270 of them uh, for the entire world. Um, it was in some movies, so that's always cool. Um, but, I mean, really, I, it was a car that, you know, growing up as a kid, like, to me, was the coolest car that had ever, ever been built. Um, 
I mean, it is just, it's beautiful and makes wonderful sounds, but it still has a really interesting interior. You have the shift lever, like basically where your touchscreen would be these days. Um, so it was definitely not a typical driving experience. Um, you know, I'd say that it wasn't necessarily designed for all of performance, but to just be representative of what the brand was as a whole, uh, which was kind of unique, different, um, you know, but still just amazing engineering. Hey, so you said that the shift lever was like by the, where the touchscreen would be. So that means like on the console, like where you're changing the volume up there. Yeah, it was a very odd location. So typically, you know, you'd have it basically kind of down, maybe a little higher than the knee height to your, sure, your yeah. right. But they stuck it like effectively where like maybe your radio controls would be, right? Yeah, so you're changing um, the radio, but you the knobs you're turning are actually actively <laughs> deciding how you're driving. That's pretty wild. I do like yes, early thousands terrible to drive. And as the shifting is concerned. The early like thousands Honda Civic hatchback SI had like a silly shifter in that yeah. little spot too so it's weird i wonder if porsche stole it from honda yeah gotta be right I shady guys. put it on the list <laughs> good shit well, that brings us to dylan brings us to me all right so get ready guys <clears throat> so i'm choosing the uh for my top five top yep five best car of all time is the 1987 to 1994 grumman llv meaning long life vehicle. So also what most, this is a car that no one knows the name of that you see every day, all day. One of every 100 cars on the road that you're looking at probably on your way to work is probably a mail truck. So this is the US post office mail truck, which has the uh, Iron Duke four cylinder. Mm. And these, they have (laughs) been the newest mail truck that you're seeing right now until the new generation of them comes out. Uh, is a 1994 and uh, it's very cool. So a fun fact about the mail trucks on the front and the back on top of the windshield, you see a whole list of numbers, which is the serial, basically like the serial number for the post office and the government. And the last digit of that number is the model year. So for example, if it's like 256584, it's a 1994 because they only made them from 87 to 94. So there's no duplicate numbers. Very fun fact. So as most public uh, service vehicles, they have, they end up getting a ton of miles on them in the hundreds of thousands. They're fleet vehicles that are well-maintained. And this one has proven the uh, longevity game, which is super important. So if they're and parts are abundant, um, I think it uses- That's that LLV, right? They've proven the LLV. Its name is the Grumman Long Life Vehicle. So exactly. And- um, Imagine getting that contract. Uh, yeah, do you guys mind- building every single mail carrying vehicle in the entire United States, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's a, it's a great deal. I think, and they didn't make a whole, like they made a, a ton of them, but not compared to like a typical vehicle. I forget if it's in the, um, uh, yeah, how many they actually made, but it's- Buying these to just drive around. Yeah. Oh, it seems pretty specific. I've only ever seen it with the USPS logo on the side. I've never seen the, uh, the second party ones where they spray paint it with primer and then drive around town with the doors off, which would be great if I saw that. (laughs) They just released them to the public market in the past couple of years. So you can buy one now. And David Tracy from Jalopnik did buy a piece of shit one and bring it to Moab, um, which is just awesome. But, oh no, sorry. That was actually a a DJ. It was a cheap DJ. Yeah, not the LLV. 
Um, but for when these come to the market, this is a car that would be for, for the group here, a really good car to have. It has like a thousand pound payload, so you can tow something with it. Um, and it has, uh, you know, a hundred. My girlfriend and me. <laughs> exactly. Dude, if you want to go on a date and have an interesting conversation, pick her up in a mail truck. That's all I'm saying. So um, I'd be like, hey, honey, I come rain or shine or sleet. Or <laughs> exactly. And um, and you can tell you've owned uh, you own one of one hundred thousand cars, which isn't a whole lot. That's not that's uh, that's mm, a pretty good number. It's rare. So so my pick, um, which was the uh, successor to the Jeep DJ mail truck, is the Grumman LLV. Um, you'll see them every day, and you'll probably see them still for a long time, whether they're with the government or with people like us. Mm-hmm. And at a four-way stop, they have the right of way. I remember one question from my learner's permit test, and that's what. Wait, is that true? If there's a fire truck, an ambulance, a police car, and a USPS postal vehicle, <laughs> for whatever reason, they have the right of way because they work for the federal government. One of the same, Thank essentially, a mail truck, a fire truck. Thank goodness my stop and shop circular is going to get to me before the ambulance. That's, that's <laughs> I think that the ambulance, if they turn their lights on, they get the right of way. But I mean, yeah. and in, in a pinch, they know the law. The hierarchy of the four-way intersection. The mail must <laughs> go through. Get pulled over? I don't think I've ever seen a mail truck pulled over, so arguably this would be a great vehicle to commit crimes with. Yeah, and it's easier for the cops to yank you out because they can grab you by your ankles. Yeah. <laughs> However, That's they're true. probably going to go to the wrong side, so you might yeah. be able to run away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right-hand yeah. drive, right? Yeah, yeah. they fell yep. for it. Yeah. 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 Having driven an S10 with that same Iron Duke engine, Chris, I don't know that it's possible to to travel at a speed that would that would violate any traffic laws anywhere in the United <laughs> States. Perfect. I've got to assume the LLV is quite a bit heavier than an S10, and uh, yeah, if there's a hill involved, you're you're not you're not going anywhere in a hurry. Well, if there if where there's a will, there's a way. I'm sure I can this, find this it. This is true. I'm surprised nobody's run one in lemons. Um, but to Dylan's point, they're they have been really hard to come by. You know, the, as as Dylan mentioned, they stopped making them in '94. So the post office is very territorial. You know, they put new engines in them. They do new, new chassis, new suspension, whatever else. They I had no idea they've been doing so many repairs to them. 94, I was two yeah. years old. And I still right. see the fuckers driving around. So that's impressive, just yeah. the maintenance and alone. I mean, you know, the average car in the American fleet right now is like 12 or 14 years old. But I mean, 94 is a lot older than that. You know, so to have kept these things going all that long is is a pretty good accomplishment. But yeah, once in a blue moon, like one will get impounded or something and end up on an auction site. But yeah. uh, for the most part, you know, unless they're completely demolished, they, they just don't. They never don't. seem to rust out, though. Are they aluminum or galvanized? Like, what's what's going on there? Because, like, you always yeah, see them, and they never seem to be rotted to hell. So that's right. a good point. That's, yeah. a, that's a really great question. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a rusty one. So there's no, like, you yeah. live in a shit neighborhood, and there's, like, a wicked shit grumman LLV. <laughs> right, yeah, they always look awesome. good. Yeah, they might have some like grease, grease dirt, you know, stuff where the hinges are and stuff like that. And they have steelies, so you'll never know what the brakes right. are. But um, uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, I don't have any uh, information here besides the EPA rating on the gas mileage is 17, which I feel like is not the worst thing for uh, driving around, stop and go all the time. But yeah, I know. Uh, I feel that like city it's probably miles more or like highway. <laughs> That's the rating. I feel like it's probably more like 10, but. Um, that's uh, 17 would not be bad honestly no uh, i think it's pretty bad honestly I, yeah, <laughs> yeah chris don't forget our tax dollars are going to pay for those gas tanks i think we can do better okay <laughs> than a 1994 contract truck that they built 
Well, I'm not well, arguing that. And actually, I think that recently the uh, post office had basically said, we don't want electric vehicles in our you know, fleet. Uh, but then they got a lot of pushback from Congress. And now I think they're doing sort of like a 50-50 split. Now, yeah. I mean, realistically, this is a government contract, so it'll probably be a decade before anything ever materializes. Good point, yeah. Um, but to, to satisfy your tax dollars, uh, someone somewhere is trying to make them more fuel efficient. So maybe That's we'll nice. get to 19. Don't you feel like they're not really in a position to be demanding anything, considering they're about to be shuttered five years ago? It's like, we're going to do it our way. It's like, your way is really not great. <laughs> We appreciate you. You're around. You're a service. You're not a company, but uh, you've been hemorrhaging money since they invented the computer. So let's try to work on saving money, not putting your foot down on wanting to have internal combustion engines for the next. Well, 10 and on years. that note, besides the EVs, go on, Chris. Currently, though, because they, uh, you know, for, for I, I find that they're constantly consistently cheaper than FedEx or UPS, and for you know small. You know, if you're if you're a business and you got a business account, you're shipping high volume, especially larger packages. Whole different game. You know, for yeah. me, sending stuff to friends, relatives, you know, selling the occasional thing on eBay or Facebook or whatever else. Post office is cheaper than anything else out there. Yeah. So, oh yeah. You know, if you're, you're sending a love music. letter to your grandma, don't go UPS. Go USPS. Right. Right. Exactly. Fly like an eagle. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, it's not the biggest waste of tax dollars compared to other entities. So it could <laughs> be worse. At least we get something out of it. Right. True. It does serve us. It's not. Yeah. And on that up. note, if you want to yeah. submit some sort of request to uh, propose an EV for the replacement for the LLV, make sure you mail it in because that's the only way they'll take it. So, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> they have no email address. They have no email address. They, they, it's it's a hard stance against email. Yep. So, on that note, uh, Chris, do you want to read off the uh, list for top uh, best cars for number five? Uh, I've been failing at keeping a, a running list of each. Don't worry, I got it. I appreciate uh, it. I have the overall winners. Oh, can you keep the overall and I'll keep the, the oh, individual Okay, got one? it. Yep, yep. Perfect. Yeah, sorry, I thought that's what we were doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no that's, what, that's how yep. we'll do it. Uh, so we have the Dodge Raider, the Porsche 911, the Jaguar XKSS, the Green Rat, the Porsche Carrera GT, and the Grumand LLV, a.k.a. the USPS mail truck. All we'll right. start the voting with me. Let's do it. And as much as you sold me on that mail truck, I'm not going to lean over just for all the funniest cars in the list, okay? This isn't <laughs> a joke to me. This is a fucking list. that it's, it's sealed for all of time. I mean, Dog is the top number one mammal for all of time now, not because it's a goofy podcast. It's because this is the end-all, be-all of the list. Therefore, I will continue my vote for the Jaguar, the Green Rat, if we're in America, Jaguar. If we're in Britain, Jaguar. The green rat. It's my vote. Thank you. On to Kevin, please. I'm going to throw this one Dylan's way. That Grumman, man, a solid choice. And it's definitely going to be added to my Facebook marketplace searches. So. <laughs> Here we go. We need one in the, we need one in the Lemons family. First uh, one to get one gets uh I don't know, something, something cool. I would put all Besides my money on that. In lemons. You see that thing flying around the track? Oh my. I just wanted to go get a cup of coffee and just like a nice Sunday. That would so, be more appropriate. I also bet you could park that thing on the curb at Logan and go on vacation for a week <laughs> and it'd just still be right where you left it when you came back. Idling. <laughs> still running. <laughs> <laughs> 
like you, no you're one's gonna this, touch it. You like, yep. will never get a citation. You'll, you're like, <laughs> yeah. no need to register it. Just drive around. It just has a number on the back of it, right? Yeah, go like, to a car show. Everybody's gonna be your friend. You know, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I said, you this could... is the perfect car for committing crimes. Yep. You could drive home uh, on a Saturday night at 1 a.m. A little buzz through Route 20 in Weston, Wayland, that area, with no headlights on, and they wouldn't touch you. <laughs> The guy's trying to get that is the work. ultimate example of immunity. He's a federal right employee. He, he's untouchable. <laughs> you know, crazy. I, I uh, it's funny because uh, out of all of these things, the bail truck is the one that I have the least interest in ever owning or driving. But I think it's the most significant out of that out of that thing. I mean, it's wow. probably the one that's covered by far the most bioage in time in our in our society. So I, I got to give it to you. That's a good choice. Thanks. I feel like you kind of already own a, a mail truck, Chris. Like you have a Volkswagen thing, and it's that's essentially like a Grumman mail truck. So like you're you no, don't need no, one. You already... the, th the thing has far fewer creature comforts and and is much slower. Creature so comforts. <laughs> thing has less creature comforts, but well, it's not waterproof. So yeah, that's yeah. That was an option for that year. Got it. Right. <laughs> Chris Hatch, right. your vote. Uh you know, honestly, I think I'm going to go with the Porsche 911. Um, you know, as a whole, uh, I think it's had probably the, the biggest impact on the car community in general um, out of arguably any single series of car. Uh, just you think this had a bigger long. impact in the car community than the mail truck? And you're willing to stand by that on live television? Uh, <laughs> yes, I would say that uh, as a generalization, the 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 car community so to speak would be more interested in owning a 911 than a mail truck but you know who knows i could be wrong uh but yeah i mean just given the thing's been around for what 60 years and i mean it's just kind of been a car that like you know people people want to own that's uh it's something that people like uh, strive towards um you know it's just kind of a you know when you think of a sports car a lot of times you're thinking of a, a 911 um, so really, I think the the impact that it's had, uh, you know, it's, would uh, you could say is more than like a BMW 3 Series, more than you know uh, a GTR. Like it's it's just it's always been there, and it's been available in so many different flavors. You know, it's kind of like you go and you you pick your your ingredients, and you can make your own 911. Uh, and of course, we'll charge you. For all these <laughs> I'm gonna to cut clear. that part out for the promo video. <laughs> Pick your ingredients, make your own 911. The Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. Yes, and, and Porsche will charge you a lot of money for each option. If you'd like red seatbelts, that's probably like $5,000. Uh, and if you'd like, uh, you know, some carbon fiber mirror caps, probably another $5,000. But it's going to be yours. Built-in box cutters? Uh, that's $10,000. What are you doing, though? That's pricey. So I, I, I worked in the automotive retail business for, for many years, which is, is how I know... Uh, Kevin and Chris, and 911s were the 911s and Corvettes were the absolute worst car to have somebody attempt to trade in for all the exact reasons that Chris is talking about. You know, everybody would come in, and, and Corvettes are nowhere near as, as crazy as Porsche gets with their individual options. But people would come in with with a 911 that had been their dream car, and they custom ordered it. And you know, it's possible to literally double the car's MSRP with adding options to it. You know, uh, you can have Porsche crests and the headrests and the key. You can have your key painted to match the car. You can have the fuse box door upholstered in leather. You know, they'll do anything you <laughs> what want. What the hell? And, and, wow. a, and a lot of it is actually in the options book. Like, and then if you go want to go absolutely bonkers, the, you know, Porsche individual department will really do anything you want. 
So we'd have all these people come in that it had been their dream car. You know, and they custom ordered it and added $20,000 extra stuff to it. And yeah, is it cool? Absolutely. But is anybody else going to pay that 20 grand? You know, <laughs> no. And that I, I hated being in that position. You know, as yeah. a car enthusiast, I'd have to go and like break the heart of this, this usually guy that loved this thing and it had, had checked every option box and knew it was special and just be like, listen, you know, the, the value of this car with this mileage is X. And I know yeah. that yours has 20 grand of extra stuff that adds about a thousand dollars of extra value to it because all of the other ones, they might not have 20 grand of extra stuff, but they probably have 12 grand of extra stuff. So, you know, you're, right. you're not like nobody orders these as the base model. Everybody is their dream car. Everybody adds stuff to it. And uh, Porsche has become the master of allowing you to truly custom tailor one of them, which is awesome if, if that's your dream car to have forever. Uh, Not great to sell, though. Much of a bunch of return on it if you're going to yeah. flip it. I mean, that $1,000 price tag on that a customized key doesn't really translate, not only just off the lot, but 10 years later when you get divorced and you don't want the, the old lady to get <laughs> half the money. Yeah, I mean, I think that really begs the question, though, of like, if, if you're going to order one of these, you know, you're ordering it for life. That's right. Yeah. Just like Paul Walker, get a Porsche. It's for life. <laughs> and also, you know, if you're ordering it, you probably, that was a Carrera GT, was it not? Stick it was. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Chris. It was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The moral of the story there is replace your fucking tires. Yeah. Is that the moral? I didn't know what it was. Is, uh, my understanding was... is they were the original tires, like 10, Ooh. 12 yeah, years that's old. That's rough. Oh, yeah. talk about not customizing it. I bet he had the custom upholstered, glove box but he couldn't redo his tires uh, hollywood yeah, actors which, right they're all showboats purchased a vehicle with a lot of customizations uh unfortunately the owner selected the cheapest tires possible so again the lesson that we've learned here is that invest in tires there's only four points yeah. of contact with the road uh and if those four points of contact uh are, are shitty then your overall experience will also be shitty yeah well and i can uh, let you know that uh a uh 2000 model year z3 with Wan lee tires is not the same and i thought it wouldn't make a difference but tire rack sold those for a while nice they smelled good and they were very soft but it literally drove i drove that car for two years with Wan lee's on it with 18s and it drove like it literally had crayon material for tires and it was they didn't make any noise they didn't have any traction and they made they had the sidewall was about as stiff as a 14 inch wheel with like a 75 inch sidewall. It was the worst thing ever. So yes, tires, very important for everybody to know. Make sure your tires are good. Especially good point. Your Carrera GT, GT out right. there, make sure your tires are good. All right, Dylan, your vote. All right. Um, you did have a quite a bit of time. not the Jaguar, if I can tell you that. Um, All right. But... I, I didn't know you were just a Steve McQueen hater. I thought I was going to win your hearts over with that. No, I did ride in a taxi cab one time in Daytona with a guy who was uh, also drove Steve McQueen in this, that not the same taxi cab, but as a driver. And uh, was and very... that guy drove when he was 13 years old. How old was that motherfucker? He was fucking old. This was 10 years ago when I was Hell down yeah. there for work. And uh, he was very excited to tell me that I was in the same theoretical seat as Steve McQueen once was. I'm sure he only used that gem only so often. Not every time anyone ever opened the door. Well, no one's in Daytona who are car people, so it's it's not just yeah. Me. It will probably doesn't come up that often, but that's yeah. Really cool so uh, it's between nine eleven and Grumman LLV. Um, you know, no one here has a nine eleven right now, as far as I know, right? That's correct. That's correct. Um, 
let's go with Grumman LLV. I'm going to do, it. I can't, I, it's just a, it's, it's the background car of the, of our entire nation. And right now we need that. It's been, it's been supportive since day. Well, since we were all little lads. So <laughs> my, my vote is Grumman LLV, long life vehicle. I hope to own one. Hell yeah. It's our number five pick for top six best cars. The Grumman LLV, AKA the mailman truck and mail woman. And woman male. Always be secure. I think we should take our first commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by ship boxes. Because nothing beats the smell of old gas in the morning. I have not experienced anything in a vehicle like that. It was like being on an amusement park ride and getting shot out of a cannon. I mean, it was it was so absurdly disconnected from any other vehicle launch I've ever been in that like I had to, like my brain had difficulty processing what was going on until we were going through the first corner of a Salalam. And it was like, oh, pay attention. Like, like you know, the course is starting. Like it's it's bonkers you know and that's not as fast as the plaid but i mean the car just goes and there's no tire squeal there's no engine revving there's no shifting it's just gone and yeah it's nuts it's awesome very cool yeah i can't wait to join you down there joe it's in your area so we'll bring you down too so you can uh oh i would love it cool shit dude i would love that shit i'll be shitting my pants i'll wear a diaper that day i don't want to ruin the upholstery uh but we should probably get back on the podcast (laughs) Because yeah. we got we got four more to go here. Yeah, let's okay. go. Dylan Joe. All right, so uh, Kevin, Kevin, this is on you, man. You're you're coming up. Uh, you're starting us off with number four. All right, all right. Let me uh, reference the old quick reference guide here. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Number four, we have the 1990 through 94 Nissan Pulsar GTIR. Ooh. Okay, for those who don't know, Pulsar GTIR was a you know homologation car trying to get Nissan into the Group A Rally Series. They had to build at least 5,000 of them to qualify, and they absolutely did. Built, I think, a little over like 10,000 of them during the production range. Uh, has the all-wheel drive system pulled out of the R32 Skyline, for those who didn't know. So it's got a really sophisticated all-wheel drive system, you know, factory turbocharged all-wheel drive, fancy little top-mount intercooler, individual throttle bodies, made all the right sounds, made all the right moves. Beyond all that greatness, this car also had a factory optioned umbrella holder in the driver's side door jam. I love the details. Right. So like, you know, normally like you didn't see that shit unless the car was a Rolls Royce. It didn't have an umbrella in the door jam. This thing did. So solid number four. Number four. And that's the I'm taking a look at it. It looks like it sounds like a a souped up 2008 Honda Civic uh, with a muffler cut off, but I'm assuming it didn't sound like that. Can you describe the sound to us? No, you're dead on, honestly. It was very oh, okay. so Honda Civic exhaust cut off. Like, you know, it had a factory turbo on it, so it wasn't super, super loud. They kind of calmed things down a little bit, but mm-hmm. the car was an absolute beast. Unfortunately, they never made it to the States. They were like a Japanese market car only. They're starting to kind of make their way over this way now. They're a little bit older than 25 years old now, so they're available for import. So uh, super cool sure. car. Yeah, and cool I think the last Pulsar we had in the U.S. was the um, stubby uh, one with the taillights. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, like the, 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 like, bed, era, yeah. the, the cap. Yeah. They had a cap available for it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. Fantastic car. And I'm going to go ahead and be the voice of uh, the people here, as I always have in the podcast. Uh, and Nissan used to be called Datsun, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, yes. Interesting fun fact. Yes, they did. It's back, Joe. Yes, Thank they you. did. They were called Datsun for uh, you know a handful of years. They actually changed the name for to Nissan, I believe, when they brought it to the states because it sounded less like Japanese because they were coming out of the the WWs back in the day. So yeah. they wanted to sound a little bit more appealing to the American market. So yeah, yeah. It, the original name was Shin Megami Tensei Kamikaze, and they're like, yeah, that might not play yeah. as well in like, the United loosely States. translated, I think. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they were like, eh, well, we'll go with Nissan. Interestingly enough, I don't feel like Nissan is really that less Japanese sounding than Datsun. Yeah, no, they should have called it Dodge. (laughs) They didn't want to bring it to the the U.S. market that soon, so. (laughs) (laughs) You have two Datsuns, don't you, Mr. Waters? I do indeed, yes. I'm an avid Datsun hoarder. I have a 73240Z, and I also have a 68 Datsun Roadster, so yes, I'm a make terrible financial decisions left and right is well, the white one with the s54 in that group uh, that was in uh, the garage? yeah i mean you can call it white i call it primer but yeah it's uh it's, <laughs> it's in the mix to each their own for i call it albino but friends. yeah to each their own yeah yeah sure. <laughs> well that'll bring right. us on to cwr for our number four pick so my pick is uh two models that are, are mechanically the same car which is the uh, GMC Cyclone and Typhoon. So yes. these are uh, forces of nature of getting, yes. And, and all of a sudden getting some significant attention. Uh, so they're oddballs. They're based in the S10 platform. They then took the Chevy Astro van or GMC Safari van all wheel drive system and stuck that on them. So instead of being four wheel drive, they're a true all wheel drive system. Took the 4.3 liter V6, which is literally just six eighths of the Corvette V8 from those years. So it's a push rod, bulletproof, relatively large displacement V6, turbocharged it, and then stuck it in this compact truck platform. So uh, back in that day, they were uh, moderately priced. They were shockingly fast, uh, 4.30 to 60 in the early 90s, uh, which is faster than the Corvette. You know, that was 10 years newer than it. Uh, and they're oddball trucks. You know, you get into them and they're a janky early 90s Chevy truck. Um, they're shockingly quick. You can turn up the boost. You can do a lot with them. And the, the values of them have really started rising recently. People have discovered that they are reliable, kind of desirable, collectible vehicles. Um, a lot of them got used up, you know, driven year round and rusted out like all the other domestic products at that time. But uh, they're finally sort of getting their era. And, you know, that was one of the first performance SUVs out there. You know, we look at the at the capability of a lot of the cars that are popular on the market today. You know, your your Cayenne Turbos, your X6 and X5Ms. Um, you know, even the spiced up versions of the regular SUVs out there that are really popular. Your Grand Cherokee, uh, Trackhawks. You know, your X3M. Um, the, you know, kind of rough around the edges, uh, Typhoon and Cyclone were kind of the beginning of that whole thing. And uh, and for their time in the early '90s, they were shockingly fast. So. Oddball choice, but that's what I'm going with for number four. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, as the arbiter, as it's still into this list, I'm going to have to have you nailed down. Is it the Cyclone the cyclone or the Typhoon? You got to nail it down. Cyclone. Cyclone, final answer. Great yeah. fucking pick. Sounds awesome. Put a sports yeah. car engine in an SUV and let's get moving. Well, even better. Hey, Joe, just so you know, uh, the neighborhood that you grew up in in Hudson, there was a Typhoon sitting like a perpendicular street from you for, I think it's still there. So it's been there for 30 years sitting in someone's yard 
and it's actually real. And I last time I drove by there, it was still there. So you have seen one, I promise. Typhoon's oh the blazer, or yeah, Typhoon's the, the blazer. The cyclone's the truck. The cyclone is the pickup truck. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, it's so, definitely so we're going with we're going with cyclone. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, sick. Because they're marginally faster, being slightly lighter weight. <laughs> I would have guessed the opposite. You would have guessed wrong, and you get to. <laughs> but the other one, you can carry four people. So you know, there's there's a balance. Fair enough. All and is right. there is there no uh, truck bed back facing seats in that particular vehicle, like the uh, not not like the, the brat? But we can we can throw some launchers in one and uh, put you in the back. And hey, now now we're talking <laughs> some ratchet straps around for safety, and we're good to go. Feel the wind through your hair and your butt <laughs> as it flies through. What a world! Very nice, Chris Hatch. Your number four pick, please. All right, so my number four pick, I have to go with the BMW E36 European version with the S50 B32. Uh, and the reason that I've selected this vehicle uh, is because the BMW M3 is a fantastic vehicle in any iteration. Uh, however, I think that the E36 with the uh, S50 B32 was probably the most exciting. And the reason I say that is the E30 M3, while a absolutely stunning car visually, uh, was not particularly fast. Um, it had a dinky little four-cylinder, and, you know, it was cool, and it was maybe fast for the time, but it just left a little bit to be desired, uh, whereas the E36, you know, really pushed, pulled the power up. It was, uh, I believe, about 320 horsepower uh, back in 1995, uh, which at the time was pretty impressive. Not quite to the uh, to, to Chris Rich's pick, but, you know, still, still would get you out of a jam um and I, i'd say that of all the cars i've ever owned the e36 is probably the most fun car um it just had a ton of character it wasn't so fast that like you were immediately breaking the law anytime you got on it uh and it was just a ton of fun to you know send sideways uh you know just beat the crap out of it and it would take the abuse um and it was just a car that like you felt like i'm talking about my girlfriend we already talked about her earlier with the fucking pickup well, hey, you know, we we just gotta keep bringing her up. All Maybe right, all right. She's gonna be up. so thrilled we keep talking about her, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just I, I think the 36 was a great platform. Uh, you know, very similar to Dylan's 318 Ti. Like you could just beat the living crap out of it, and it would take the abuse, and it was a ton of fun. And uh, you know, I, I told I you to stop. Sorry, that's her nickname. Ton of fun. I'm. I am begging you, please. She has enough of her hubris built up. You need to be on every podcast. Uh, All right. So my pick is uh, Joe's girlfriend. So <laughs> most fun car to drive. There we go. I would be mad if you weren't so funny about it, man. Very well. All right. So Dylan, um, you're up next. Yeah, so my pick is the uh, M35 A2 Deuce and a Half. Mm. Or uh, for my uh, car. And why is this a good car? So this was developed. It was, uh, who's it was, the manufacturer, please, for the willing to list? Uh, yeah. Um, is it BMW? No, it's not. AM this General. is. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you said AM General. So I've got. <laughs> It really just says, so actually it started off by REO Motor Car Company. Um, and then I think it moved over the M35A2 
yeah, you know what? It's weird enough. It just doesn't say because it was either made by Continental Motor Company, Hercules, or White Motor Company. So We're going with Hercules. Military contracts that made a vehicle that was purpose built um, slightly before Vietnam. And why this is important. So this is a troop transport, also called the six by six. Um, pretty bulletproof vehicle. Um, it'll get you into war and it'll get you out of it reliably. reliably. Um, and my favorite feature of this is that if it's, it can run on any refined oil. So if the apocalypse comes and gas pumps aren't working or whatever it is, whatever you've got, automatic transmission fluid, vegetable oil, diesel, uh, you can, it has a switch, you can change to gasoline. Um, this is glorious. We're obviously we're seeing the picture now, but uh, what a fucking vehicle! You, you, everyone knows what this thing is. It's fucking. <laughs> yeah, you all know what it is. You still the see them on the highway. Over. Yeah, you don't see them as much. They've been mostly replaced by other, you know, vehicles. But sure. um, <laughs> you get a five-speed manual, two-speed transfer case, just like you know, kind of most bigger trucks that size. Um, and its major thing is it can run on-road, off-road reliably um parts were pretty available and it can run on um pretty much anything you put in the gas tank it'll make it work so i didn't know what this car was initially but i've watched um you know ken burns documentary about vietnam about the utility of these vehicles and i actually think that as well as um with ethanol and gasoline it also runs on the tiers of their enemies is that correct it probably does yeah yeah absolutely so that's useful because there's a lot of tears shed there and now the shit yeah, and Charlie I mean, if you're didn't a know it was serial up. killer and you want to dissolve a body in a vat of acid, it's likely that you could put it in the gas tank and run it on that. I mean, it's like, the utility well, is unmatched in that sense. It's like as long as it's as long as it's combustible and and filtered through like you know chicken wire at least, it'll Easy. burn it. So um, yeah, sweet vehicle. Again, no creature comforts. You're getting um, you know uh, at best you know seats that are covered in some sort of like a potato sack and. Um, all metal interior, good to RGB. go. Can carry anything you want. No matter what your tone or what you put in the bed, it's probably not going to sag the suspension, which is great. Um, yeah, so that's my uh, my vehicle pick. Is the kind of a bargain too, though, right? Like you see them on Craigslist for like twenty five hundred bucks. Dude, you okay, for I was like say six grand, but yeah, like that's no. a lot of car. And usually they're all low miles, right? Like government owned, fleet maintained. Yeah, a low miles, doing. high body count. <laughs> there we go. Pull the trigger, Dylan. Buy one. <laughs> it's hey we talked about this for forever the you know it's just like chris rich's pick for our number six car um uh this reduces the need for a trailer if you can get your car in that bed somehow you don't need to tow anything so if you have a race car you want to have a vehicle that you can not have to have a secondary trailer to tow or whatever it is as long as you can get it up there in the bed you've got an all-in-one <laughs> Those, those uh those wheel ramps to put a pretty high higher ramp for that thing though that bet's pretty high up they'll have to be exactly long, a but you forward. don't have to have a trailer joe so and once you get to you know the speedway you can just go to the the little restaurant in the middle there and get all their old vegetable oil and just dump in the tank free gas yeah so it doesn't matter gas. that it gets three miles a gallon hey in this day and free. age well, it Come doesn't on. matter because it's all free. So you can get three miles a gallon, one mile a gallon, 50. If it's free gas, it's free gas. Doesn't free matter. gas is free gas. Oh, all fun and games till a uh, french fry clogs up your fuel filter and you're on the side of the highway. <laughs> that's what they call a feature, not a bug. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, well, if it were me, I would just remove the fuel filter and uh, the french fry was in it. <laughs> it just send it. Just <laughs> running uh, yeah, raw gas Wes. right to the right to it. My friend Wes, whenever you guys have met, 
has yeah. uh, desperately been wanting a deuce for years. And uh, living in a two-bedroom apartment in downtown Boston is not quite in the right <laughs> setting to own one. Uh, is it not? But, but if any of the rest of you would like to own one and not pay for it or, you know, just have a parking spot for it, you could probably talk less into buying one and then leaving it on your property uh, for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, that's that's not well, Go ahead and hear that podcast. Listen. I will, yeah. Yeah, Kevin, you could actually use it where you live. The, the rest of us are... They're, the reason they're all low mileage is that like a 20 mile trip is, is going to be yeah. all you're ever going to want to drive it in your entire ownership of it. <laughs> That's perfect. Right? Uses it to cut the rally trails for Dylan's new GTI. So, right. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. And um, I'll, it's actually not a problem. I'll just tell my mom that uh, that I'm going to park it in her driveway like I've done with all my other shit boxes. Um, so, hey, I know I just got this shit box GTI. I'm going to put the that in the back of a deuce and a half and use that same parking spot you let me use. And uh, I'm sure that'll work just fine. So, I'll hit a Oh no, we can park at well, my mom's I mean, house. The other and, good uh, we'll news is good. that they're they're usually camouflage. So if you park it close enough to the woods, you know it's like yeah, Dylan. If you put the put it on the bed and put it in the woods near the bog near your house, you could just leave it there for years. I think you'd be all yeah, set. Yeah, and then put the camo thing, camo tarp over the GTI. Yeah, put the, the ghillie suit over the over all the set. you know body. Yeah. You're good no to go. Never know. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I'll, I'll, I've got Wes's number. I'll hit him up. I got I got Perfect. a plan. Yeah, this is this is excellent. Yep. There's also making connections here. In Sudbury, there's a whole like uh, munition storage bunkers that were developed in like the early 1900s. I'm sure that we could fit one there somewhere. Have some agreement with them to hide it. You could hide a deuce and a half easily with the, with the right cover. So sweet. Right on. That'll bring All me right. to my pick for number four, which is. I'm going to bring up the infographic for this segment, but it is the top selling car in the United States of America for some time. It is, of course, the Toyota Camry, which was called the Kamuri in Japan, which means crown, which does not translate. They don't want to call it the Kamuri, they call it the Camry because it sounds more of an Americanized name. But this motherfucker was first developed, or I should say, first sold in the United States in 1982. Widely used, reliable, long-lasting. It's one of the most common cars you'll see on the road today. It dethroned the Ford Taurus in the year 1997 for the America's top-selling car. And it was only unseated one time. And that was by the Honda Accord two years later. Since 1997 until this very year, the Toyota Camry is the top-selling car in the United States every single year. Mm. Over and over and over again it's boring as shit it's reliable it's long lasting it's fuel efficient i mean it's not going to sell any tickets to the midnight hour down the weekend there but what it is is the number four best car of all time the toyota Camry. and i would imagine in 2022 it'll be the top selling car again i mean that's really all i gotta say about the thing that's that's it's, it's, it sells itself I mean, the proof's in the pudding. It sells itself every year. So I'll pick, and there's not a person in this group that cannot smell a 2001 <laughs> Toyota Camry right now. Yeah. So if I had to pick a year, I'd go 2001, and uh, I would go um, cloth seats, beige. Oh, yeah. Cloth seats. It's, so it smells like a 2001 Camry. Add McDonald's French fries, and you have got a 2001 Camry. There we go. Seats. That's, That's it right pick. there. And you That's know, I could smell. go nice and go midnight blue. I'm going to go silver, which is the most boring-ass it annoys me version tan. of seeing Toyota it. Silver on tan. 
2001 Camry, which was a top selling car that year. I'm almost guaranteed with on that. the dent in the corner of the rear bumper that every single yes. one of them has. Oh, that's not, I keep forgetting that's not stock. That's optional. No, no, I, I, I mean, they might install Because you think it because it comes with every single one. You think leave. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's not off the lot like that, but they, they guarantee yet. within the first year you will. Right. Yeah, they really need to make that a dealer installed option and charge for it. They should. Yeah. They really should. We'll break it in for you. Well, it'd be helpful to be able to choose what side it's on so you could kind of identify yours in the parking lot. Be like, no, 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 no. Mine, mine has the dent slightly further to the right. Yeah, you a lefty or a righty? We're going to dent right. it right now right. for you. Save you some trouble. Anyway, that's my pick. That's all five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, before we go there, so what's the... um. So obviously there's the Avalon, but what's like the, the Lexus uh, edition of the Avalon? Like the ES350 or something like that? Know, yeah, like the, it's like one of the most coveted yeah. cars of all time because it's just so well built. It's unbelievable. I saw yeah. one at the junkyard uh, like in the fall and, you know, it's it's on the finer things club of cars to own just because they're reliable and just incredibly well built and over-engineered. And, and I'm not sure I could do it because it still smelled exactly like a Camry. Like there was no difference. Like yeah. I can if do I'm not mistaken, Lexus, the parent company is Toyota, right? Lexus is yeah. the- yeah. Oh yeah, it's the same car. Yeah, it's just luxury nice. version of Toyota. Same. Yeah, all the same parts, expand. it's the same thing. Um, but like I, all the other flavors of cars, mm -hmm. like, you know, E36 Crayon is something that, you know, gets me going. But the Toyota Camry smell is just, is just reminds me of being picked up by your friend's parents and- having to do go to their house and do homework type of vibe so it's just oh I'm yeah just that's nostalgia points yeah yeah can't do it and i thought the lexus would change that but it didn't so all right so that starts the voting with kevin our picks are the nissan pulsar or just pulse pulsar pulsar very cool uh, an exploding uh -huh. star kind of thing we have the chevy cyclone the BMW E36, aka My Girlfriend. We have the M35 Deuce and a Half. 35 and A2. The, oh, A2. Thank you very much. Yeah, the A2, and the yeah. Toyota Camry 2001 with the beige yeah. cloth interior. Yeah, Voting starts with Kevin. Perfect. Thank you. It's, you know, it's a really tough choice for me. This Toyota you're throwing out there is like, it's kind of pulling me away. Um, but ultimately I need to go with Chris Rich and this here GMC turbocharged all wheel drive beast. Like that's, that's a car to have. Right. And that's the car that has my vote. So. Solid. That's to me. It's to uh, Rich. I would, uh, for driving purity, I got to give it to Mr. Hatch. You know, I think that that car was was one of the first, you know, really bulletproof, reliable cars that offered everything, you know, daily usability, comfort, room for four, you know, it'll go 150,000 miles without much fuss uh, in true performance characteristics. So, yeah, E36 M3 Euro version. Yeah, unlike a modern BMW, it, it will actually last. Um, I should clarify anything built after 2010, Mr. Waters. Um, Thank you. So yeah, the audience I, was, you know, you can hear them screaming at the screen here. He's not going to say after 2010, he better say it. <laughs> You'd be surprised, Joe. I bet they are. What did I just say? Back so, to Chris. Um, you know, honestly, this is a tough one for me. Uh, I think everybody's got some good picks and I, I will say I'm very intrigued by Mr. Rich's pick, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the 36. I, I just feel like it was a, uh, 
a great car. I don't think I really did anything beyond basic maintenance to it. And it was you just a head gasket on it, dude. You put a head gasket on this car. Let's, uh, well, let's... yeah, but I had a loner car the whole time, so it's oh, fine. perfect. Well, you still did. No, perfect. In fact, actually, this is the only time I've ever been in an accident was in a uh, BMW Sudbury loaner car that I was driving for two months while my E36 sat on lot having nothing done to it. So this really reinforces my pick that the E36 is the best car ever. Reinforced safe and sound. Dylan, you get the next vote. Ah, man, is this a hard one. Um, This is a very tough pick. Uh, having owned multiple E36s with every engine configuration except for the S50B32 for the most part, um, M42, M44, S52, M52, M16, uh, AT&T, yeah, exactly. R2-D2. So, um, but I, it's very fun. You can tell the difference just based on the sound between an S54 and S50B32 and a regular S52 or S50 at the track. No question, they sound. It sounds very unique it has uh, just only love that anyways um i'm gonna just go with the e36 m3 um i think that it is it is a car that you can drive for all of eternity it's a car that you bought if you bought one if you're lucky enough to buy one brand new i know a lot of people who still have the ones they bought in 97 um it's the if there was one thing in this entire world that i feel like i'm an expert on it's not any job I've ever had, it's not anything I've even been that interested in. It's that car. Um, there's not really a nut and bolt I haven't take back, taken off it. Interior, engine, brakes, suspension, body panels, whatever it is, that isn't that car. So I think it's a car that's super widely available. You can get parts for it. Um, it is the most fun. Sounds incredible. E36 M3, Euro version. My pick. Only car I've ever regretted selling. Notable. That's another podcast of lists of cars we regretted selling. I got a, I got a few of them. <laughs> but yeah. It's going to be a long episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> regrets. And our only right, regrets Joe? are just car. Uh, whatever you want. We'll see you next time. <laughs> general regrets. And I'd say seven out of 10 of them are, are car related for me. So general regrets pretty, could be a whole separate podcast. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for my number four pick, everyone was uh, very convincing here. And although I never heard of it, I was sold on the idea of the, uh, the, the Chevy Cyclone. I'm going to have to vote for that for my number four pick, which unfortunately means for that cyclone that the e36 m3 takes our number four slot as the top four car of all time put it in the books it's sold it's been taught after it's been voted on it's been litigated so that's the number four pick hell yeah which brings us to number three and i believe that mr rich will start us off here if i'm not mistaken We're getting into heavy hitters. We're top three best cars of all time. Sorry, who's going first? Uh, CWR, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, all I right. think he's going nice. So my number three is the Lamborghini Miura. And it's it's known as one of the you know first supercars in the, the modern sense, you know, V12. Um, a lot of people, you know, think it's one of the most beautiful cars ever designed. Uh, and it's a pretty extraordinary car, but what, what really sells it for me is the backstory. 
So uh, Mr. Lamborghini ran a very successful tractor company in Italy, uh, successful enough that he bought a number of Ferraris brand new and went to talk to Mr. Ferrari with some suggestions about how he could improve the brand and some complaints he had about uh, the clutch and fit and finish and all this type of stuff. And uh, Ferrari basically threw him out of the office and said, I, I don't need any advice from a tractor mechanic. And Lamborghini said, oh yeah, okay. And, you know, it's got so, one of the best fuck you stories of all time here. I don't mean to step on you. I just love the no. idea that the guy who's like a tractor magnate is like, hey, sports car guy. I know this. He's like, I hey, fuck you. He's like, yeah, watch this. Right. Exactly. And obviously, you know, it, it's made even better by the uh, the Ford versus Ferrari story that, you know, we all saw in the theaters uh, last year or two years ago, whatever that was. Uh, you know, Ferrari is, a, is an extremely prideful guy. It makes some amazing cars, but it spawned some pretty incredible things out there. You know, and I, and I think that the, uh, the launch of Lamborghini as a brand, um, and then, you know, a number of years later, the launch of the Miura as the, you know, the B12, the, the gorgeous car that it is, um, really put them to a new height, but also really inspired a lot of other development in the supercar territory. You know, and I, and I don't think that we would have gotten to the levels that we are at today in the, the supercar world and the, in the pushing the level of uh, performance and usability with exotics without that car having come out. Competition and, uh, breeding innovation. Yeah, and without, quite frankly, uh, some guy being an asshole and some other guy taking offense to it and saying, you know what, I could probably do this a little bit better. And I love that part of the story. That's fucking great. Lamborghini Mira for the number three. I mean, top three, like Dylan said. I mean, this is really rarefied area here. We have to be very careful what we pick here. This is the all-time list. If you flip up here, it's over. Lamborghini Mira, do you want to give a put a year on it or the, the year they launched it? Um, I think it was like 68 to 75-ish. So we'll go with the original run. Yeah. You got it. Mr. Hatch, what do you have to say about that? All right. Well, uh, my pick for the number three best car of all time uh, is going to be the Mercedes 300 SL Gullwing. Oof. Yeah. So uh, this car was built from 1954 to 1957. Uh, it had a uh, overhead camshaft straight six engine with direct injection, uh, which at the time was pretty pretty rare. Um, it was the fastest car of its time. Um, the SL uh, actually stood for super lightweight, which I don't think uh, holds true for Mercedes in the last 30 years, but at the time it was a super lightweight. Uh, so it was a steel chassis, but they had uh, several bits of aluminum. I think the doors and the hood were aluminum. Uh, which at the time was super rare. Um, I don't think they really had the, you know, typically the abilities to make body panels out of aluminum back then. Um, Wait, so they were rocking the Gullwing door, which is already a crazy cool innovation and also being like, let's also make the fastest production car at the time. I, I think it was probably the first car with Gullwing doors. Damn. That's pretty impressive to, to go on both fronts, be like, yeah, we have the best this and the best that. Not only do we have the most tasty burger in America, we also have the best bread. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I do think that it is one of the, you know, coolest cars that, that ex ever existed. And I mean, at the time, like, really at the time, I mean, the Americans were not making anything particularly desirable. Uh, you know, I think the Germans really kind of had the, the throne back in the 50s, and this was the pinnacle of that throne. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, you know, these cars used to be three quarters of a million dollars 12 years ago. And 
I don't even know how much they are now, but I'm sure it's in the several less? millions. Oh, more? Oh, okay. no, definitely not less. It, I don't know if you've heard, but inflation is not going in the negative direction. Ah, oh, rats. That and bring a trailer is making it a lot. This is this is past bring a trailer level, but BAT is making it a lot harder for people like us to buy shitty cool cars now because the if price you want to sell a shitty cool roof. car, that is the place to do it. People will pay you insane money for something that is not particularly special. Yeah, or you're looking special. at or you're looking at an E30 like a, the E30 M3 is a bad example. You want back in the day those you get those for nothing and then they got picked up by websites and people realized they're cool and now the one that you were going to get for two grand is now thirty thousand dollars what now they're more oh, but fluffed, yeah, yes. how it goes. so Fucking insane. yeah it's crazy my uh yeah yeah so go on yeah, yeah honestly the, the car market has just gone absolutely nuts anything slightly unique or interesting has just gone through the roof my gti mm-hmm. example the week i bought that car um obviously last week one sold for $45,000 on bring a trailer, like a, like a good hundred thousand mile, like not even low mile one, 45 grand, perfect condition. Um, so like a car that's really like when we were all getting our licenses, I wouldn't have never even looked at this car. You know, I wanted something, you know, something else, but now it's just like anything that is slightly unique and cool and, you know, sort of has a cult around it has just gone through the roof. Chris yeah, Rich sent me a listing for 92 Nissan Sentra SCR, which I had like three or four of them growing up for like yeah, 500 bucks a whack. This one had 450 miles on it. And like, they was sold, selling for like $32,000. Like what the absolute fuck? Like the thing sold for 13 grand percent. brand new. Like what? Yeah. Dylan, that, that Mark II that you were talking about was a beautiful example. I think it had 225,000 miles. Are you I kidding mean, me? It, it was, I thought it was it like was, 100, it, yeah. No, it, it was a, it was an over 200,000 mile, you know, 30 year old sport compact car, um, which was an extraordinary shape, but, but not, you know, not like Kevin, that, you know, that SER, you can kind of say, okay, you know, it's this perfect, essentially. Somewhere. Right. you know, if you want one, it's literally brand new, fine. Yeah. You know, that GTI was an extraordinarily nice enthusiast owned example with some nice modifications, but 200,000 miles, right. you know, like you, yeah. you'd think that there's probably a good number of those floating around out there somewhere. That don't have a quarter yeah. million of a mile, quarter million of right. miles. You know, on there, it, yeah. there, is, there might only be one center with 400 miles on there. Yeah. So, so it's crazy. It is, it is bonkers. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, any, any, so say you had a Geo Metro from like 1996 that had, oh, you, my number one pick. Oh, God. <laughs> We're saying there's like, if, if, if you found one of those that had, you know, 800 miles on it, you can expect to pay, you know, 15, six to, you know, starting price $15,000, you know, just because any car that has low miles on it, like that is going to be something that's worth something to somebody as a collector, but a car that has $200,000 on it, just because it's a whatever is like nuts. We've all owned, I've, half of the cars I've owned have been over 200,000 miles and that is really the end of their life. Um, yep. Including my pick for, uh, for number three. <laughs> Great segue. Let's hit it. Yeah. So my number three pick, uh, is, um, is the Mercedes-Benz W123 chassis. So I was in debate about picking this car or not because I was really, again, service vehicles are interesting, ones that get miles like Caprices and uh, Crown Vicks or whatever it is, but that's just the United States. Globally, the W123 is really the taxi cab of the world. So um, this is a car that you find all over Africa, all over Europe, 
still. Um, and actually, P-Town, I was in a taxi cab that was a W123 a couple of years ago. Um, so they're out there in the U.S. as well. Um, but it's a anything Mercedes-Benz before, you know, let's just say 1995 um, is the the gold standard of Benz. And we've got another one on the list as well from Chris Hatch here. Um, and they started production in 1976. They stopped in 1986. They made about five times as many of these as they did Grumman LLVs. And um, actually, sorry, my bad. Um, no, way more than that. Um, more people to move than mail, I imagine. That's right. Yeah, and I'm sure that they have delivered mail before. Um, and they came in sedan. Mail escorts coupe, for the most sedan, part. Sedan, coupe wagon and uh it says limousine as well um and were assembled in you know west germany south africa china and thailand but they're just incredibly well built the control arm which i don't know if you called that because it's not it's really more of like the hub assembly it looks like a giant dinosaur bone that you could easily smash a car hood with like they're heavy well built super reliable you don't really need to do anything to them and they can again same thing if it's hot enough out, you can put whatever type of, you know, refined oils in it and it'll probably run. And I can tell you that does work. I've done it. And um, great car. My pick for number three, a super robust, abundant, reliable car that will work off-road if you try hard enough. And um, if you need to make a part, you can make a part for it. Something to be said there for the uh, interchangeability of the parts. Yeah. Which brings me on to my number three pick. You fellas, you seem to know a thing or two about automobiles. I'm not here to tell you you don't because you claim it too. But you might not have heard of this one. It deserves to be on the list. It's a little number by the name of the Thrust SSC. And it is also known as the fastest land vehicle ever recorded. 1996 edition. This 54-foot-long and nearly 10-ton British jet car sports two Rolls-Royce turbofan engines burning, (laughs) I had to look this up to make sure, 4.75 gallons of fuel per second. That's that's bad. That's not fuel efficient at all. But you get in with your, you get out what you put in, rather, and that is the only car to ever been recorded to go supersonic that's right 763 miles per hour in a motor vehicle with wheels thanks to those rolls royce turbofan engines this mfr is now in a museum in the uk as of 2015 this 1996 thrust ssc is the fastest and it might be the fastest ever recorded for all time because no one gives a fuck about making cars fast faster than speed of sound take those wheels out put it in the air you can double the speed immediately, but I think there's something to be passionate about making four wheels and just getting it going as fast as you possibly can. It's the opposite of the Camry. It's not durable. It's not long lasting. It's not fuel efficient. It's not affordable. It's just, let's go as fast as we possibly can on four wheels on the planet earth. And that's the thrust SSC, the only car to go supersonic. I don't have much more to say about that. That's, I mean, if that doesn't solve the pick for number three, I don't know what does. Fastest fucking car ever. Yeah, I gotta say, I never, I, I, I recognize it, 
from, you know, seen it before. But from your dreams, a, I imagine. Well, it comes from a time where, you know, we cared a lot more about that stuff. And that those are the simple good old days. It also looks... Un- the good old days of 1997. Before no, we exactly. Care the good world. old days. Remember those? It also, it's just, I never realized how absolutely, I've never Googled it before, but how absolutely cool it looks in the hangar that it's in. I mean, there's nothing on earth that looks like that. It doesn't look it like looks a fire cool jet, as doesn't hell. look like a car, doesn't look like a missile, doesn't look like a whatever. It's, that's a, that's a Yeah, because cool, I picture, cool I picture like the rocket car one with like the rocket in the back or basically just, the, 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 you know, well, but this is not that. see all those things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is not that. No, this is, this is the fastest one. Yeah, this is a cool this is cool. And how much force you have to put into making something that weighs 10 tons go that fast? I mean, that's a lot of, I don't even know the horsepower on that. I should have looked it up, but I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, it's going to be like, you know, 60,000 type of thing. Yeah, it's some crazy shit. But anyway, I think it's worth putting on the list. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's basically just two jet engines strapped together with a Yeah, the only thing that makes it a car is the wheels, right? Because besides that, it's just a fucking jet. Yeah, when you're looking at like, so at this point, you're looking at pounds of thrust and like uh, F-16 has like, with an afterburner on, like 30,000 or something like that. And where the GE-90, which is the biggest engine, which you'll see on like 777s and A380s has like 120, but you keep in mind how much bigger that is. So you're looking at, you know, pounds of thrust, which could be probably, you know, 30,000 between the two engines like that. But yeah, that's, uh, that's something. Cool, nice picture. That's why, probably why they called it the thrust. Its name is literally thrust. Didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my thrust. pick. What brings it down to Kevin's pick for the number three? All right. Well, my car only has one engine. It's a five liter V8, and sticking with this Mercedes theme, I'm going with the W124 500E. Wow, y'all um, are Mercedes for the yep. uh, number three. Yeah, pick. number Damn. three. Gotta, yeah. gotta throw Ben's in there. So, you know, 500E. Yeah. Oh my God. This car is a joint venture between Porsche and Mercedes. They worked quite t- well together to build a car that, you know, combines some of the best aspects of Mercedes, the motor, with some of the handling characteristics of a, a Porsche. You know, to Chris's 911 comments earlier, you know, they had some amazing steering components and they really worked together to, to build a very well Do you mind car. turning your uh, garbage disposal off while you? Now you're number three. Yeah, I'm sorry, honey. We're in the middle of a, a video shoot here, so if you could stop moving in, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just okay. talking shit. Go ahead, man. Yeah. Anywho, so right? This is busy, me, Christina. Please, uh, please refrain from making noise in the background. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm hanging out with the boys, honey. Go away. Uh, uh, anywho, right? So this car took like 18 days, start to finish, because they were literally like hauling the car back and forth between the Porsche plant and the Mercedes plant, like. Typical cars today, they take hours to build, not days. So they dedicated a shit ton of time to this thing. It wasn't the fastest thing ever, right? It was like 155 miles an hour, top speed. It, it took some time to get to you know zero to 60. It was like 5.9 seconds. It's not a plaid. It's not a, a race car. But if you were on the Autobahn hammering down, like this shit was the balls, man. Like you were flying, having fun. So that's why the Mercedes 500E W124 takes my number three pick. Well said. Solid choice. Solid choice. And you you still see them sometimes. Like, it's weird. When yeah. you see when you think it's a W124 and you go and you look at the back and you see it's a little wider or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of the most perfect cars ever built by a long shot. Love them. Shocker, it's German. Over-engineered. Yes. 
Hell yeah, the voting starts with Mr. Rich. There's a lot of good options here. You know, but that's the challenge. As we get, you know, get deep into this. Uh, into yeah, this it fall, gets harder as you pick. You know, I should do the recap just for the, uh, the for the listeners and the viewers and all that. We have the Lamborghini Mura. We have the Mercedes 300 SL Gullwing. Another Mercedes W123. The taxi of the world. We have the Thrust SSC, the fastest car of all time. And the fun to drive on the Autobahn joint project, Mercedes 500 E. Those are your choices. So I'm going to have to stay with the Mura, you know, in this one, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's the one that, that, you know, puts me over the edge, but, uh, but they're all crazy significant cars. Good for you. Stick to your guns. We haven't had a lot of self-voting this, this pod. And I like the gunning, right? Well, let's all vote for our own car and just have a fucking debate again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Mura is his vote. Mr. Hash, you get the next vote. Honestly, this is a tough one. Um, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble with this one. We uh, we can come oh, back we're here to for you, you like, if you need any yeah. uh, counseling okay. after the pod. We're, we're, we're willing to uh, aftercare with you. We can talk it down. But as oh, of right like now, we're, we're in the, the heat of the moment, so you got to keep pumping. Are you going to take my tears and put them into a vehicle? <laughs> well, yeah well i'm not there right now but if you could kindly contain them. some kind of yeah that would, that would be appreciate that yeah. all right well uh i think we're gonna have to go with the thrust honestly uh and the reason why is because yeah. to uh to the point that was made i don't think anyone's ever gonna beat this thing right like i don't even know how they accomplished going 700 plus miles an hour on land uh yeah. i don't know why i've never heard of this but i didn't really think it was possible to go past maybe 350 um i don't really know how the aerodynamics work at that point or like the friction works at that point or how the tires don't just completely explode yeah um so to me that is wildly impressive um and i think it will stand the test of time but i i will say you know we're really getting into the the tough picks but i think this is a standout all right dylan your next pick or vote rather yeah, so uh, it's easy decision for me. Um, I think uh, I think it's gonna be the mirror for me. Um, was inspired by the mirror a couple of years ago when an article came out about how it really just holds the gold standard for car design. And I also feel very guilty about not picking the 911. And um, this is in the same category. Of, <laughs> this of, is a makeup call. Well, for the if, later if, innings. If the 911 is influential to people like us when we were kids, it, it's a lot of it is you know the mirror was competition and gave way to the cars we love and care about and made us uh, inspired as young lads today so um again the story that chris rich mentioned as well between you know um the lamborghini uh, founder of lamborghini versus you know ferrari and all that stuff it's um it's good stuff uh, love the story the car is beautiful itself one well, of the first cars that has the uh, Chris, what do they call the things in the back window? Louvers. Louvers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the, the cars that came with Louvers that was just that's the start of Louvers, as far as I know. Then the IROC picked them up. Wait, no, yeah. What what is it? What are Louvers? So Joe, they're like uh, window shades when you turn them a little bit, so they let light in. <laughs> okay. Just the whole rear window on external. They're super cool. Fox Body Mustangs had them. This car had them. 
any like clear, they're super cool if they come like that from the factory yes right. yeah right right yeah but if you put them on your civic it's not the same the thing. aftermarket ones aren't as cool does that say <laughs> true for spoilers too yeah uh, it depends it, on the application and what you're using you for but yeah in a uh, home with wheels on it or not <laughs> yeah you got my mobile home's got louvers dude I think right. the more wheels <laughs> in your home the cooler the aftermarket accessories <laughs> yes hard to argue that point so there's my pick uh lamborghini mira all right well i'm gonna vote for uh my pick as well i mean i although these are very descriptive examples and beautiful cars all together I can't wait to see them all on the pod and we put them all up on the corner here, maybe here or maybe over here, but I will not shake from my example of the fastest car to have ever existed. And to Chris Hatch's point, maybe to ever exist. It's kind of like Babe Ruth's home run and pitching record. It's like, it's just a different time. And there, there may never be an example of a car going that fast because it's unnecessary to hit top speeds like that with terrible gas mileage. And you have to go to the salt flats of Utah to even pull it off. So it's really, is a weird experiment and a very niche idea of uh, racing or car development. So I had to vote for the thrust. Yeah, I mean, given and, current gas prices, it would be terribly cost prohibitive to even attempt this. Yeah, you got to get a figure for that. Uh, <laughs> that uh, four point seven five miles. Uh, I mean, gallons per second. That's not a great uh, for the current gas prices, as far as that goes. <laughs> but what that means is we have our first big time vote here because i don't know if you've been following us kevin but there's a currently a tie and you can either be the tie breaker or you can vote for a third option which means you still have a tie we can vote again so do not feel pressured to pick one of these two you pick hmm. what your heart's content is yeah. and uh, i'm glad to see you've moved the podcast to your sauna which i didn't know you had dude my, <laughs> i got my ceiling sauna too <laughs> Whole house is crazy. Very, very <laughs> cool. Don't, don't get There's a lot of wood in that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have heat stroke, just wave your hand and we'll call your wife and she'll come rescue you. Oh my God, in the meantime, like... please give us your vote and uh, don't be swayed right. because please, well, we can do a tiebreaker. We haven't had a tie yet, so feel free. All right, so to be honest, right, I think Chris Rich painted an amazing picture with this Mira and this farmer with a tractor, and he made a Lamborghini. Like, that's great, Chris, but it's not a 500E. So, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sticking with my initial pick. The 500E wins. <laughs> Very nice. 500E is Kevin's vote, which means we have our first tie of the pod. And we have to bring up the rules again just for all the, uh, the participants, which means we're going to re-vote. And the only rule beyond that is you can't vote for what you've just voted for. So, for example, I can't vote for the thrust again. But the voting does still start the same order. So I don't think it's worth relitigating. I think it's worth rethinking as we vote along, starting with Mr. Rich. If you couldn't vote for the Mira, what would you vote for? Well, I, I got to say, Kevin, I think you missed the mark because if you had specified a particular periwinkle blue Rentec six-speed converting 500D, the devil's patched, in the details. Patched, that is patched through the Hatch, hatch family uh, hands many, many, many times. You, you might have gotten a landslide there. Uh, I think it's the only one ever made like that. Uh, for good reason, yeah, I think, but yeah. On the, uh, <laughs> for good on, reason. On the, you're right, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to have to, for a second vote, I'm going to have to go with the thrust for all the reasons you guys identified. Right on. Now, Chris Hatch, you can't vote for the thrust. What would you vote for instead? All right, well, uh, to the point that, that Chris just made, uh, my grandfather had a special place in his heart for 500Es. 
And I think at one time he tried to corner the entire market and buy every single Loma <laughs> in existence, uh, which didn't actually work out particularly well. But I mean, what? he have a collection of them. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, unfortunately, I think that he likes them more than anyone else. Uh, but and, and the Rentec is still in the family. Uh, in one way or another, someone in this group will end up owning it. I, I will make sure of it. Uh, so that being said, yeah, I think I have to go with the 500E. I mean, it uh, what a phenomenal car to just ride in. If you ever have the opportunity to be a passenger, it's a blend of luxury and sportiness um, that I don't think I've ever really experienced in another vehicle. And I think it was kind of that uh, dynamic duo of, of Porsche and Mercedes developing a car together um, that resulted something in special. Uh, something special, exactly. So 500E gets my vote. All right, Dylan, you get the next vote. From that yeah, I, I, I got to just throw it at the 500 um, <clears throat> It's It's really the ultimate Mercedes. It's on the top of my list. Uh, the next up would be the, you know, one under E. Cosworth. Um, but it's... Okay, we don't have time for that. Uh, that's your vote. My vote is <laughs> okay, for yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, Mercedes <laughs> 300 SL Gullwing. I mean, that combination between... The first gullwing car plus the fastest at the time. I mean, talk about innovation. And the thing looks fucking awesome. So it's yeah, a killer it app. Actually, I mean, yeah, is it good being the best at one thing, being the best at two things the first time? It's just out of control. It's like uh Dr. J in the NBA. Yeah, the guy can dunk, the guy can pass, the guy can run. It's 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 too much. It's unfair almost. I'm gonna go for the gullwing. That means that Kevin. You have the last vote once again. Fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and uh, align with the rest of the group here and say that Gullwing, like, that's that's a hell of a car, right? A lightweight. We have another tie. <laughs> I love this. I'm going to keep this going all night. I love it too. It's great. It makes it more fun. Like, God forbid, you can pop the doors open that puppy and because it's a lightweight, you might fly. So <laughs> <laughs> do we have a tie? Catch that updraft and off you or go. have we done math wrong here? We do. We have two. We have two gull wings and two um, 500 E's and one thrust. So we have a tie yet again. So it's impossible. We should wow. have only limited it to voting between like the top two from last time. <laughs> yeah, we <didn't> <laughs> hey, we, we didn't have a tie the whole. Something. I know we might not have a tie the whole podcast. So this, this right. is fine. We usually tie every fucking round. Yeah. So all the right. rules don't say you can't vote for something you, you voted for before. It's just what you just voted. So therefore, we can all vote for our number, our first pick again, if you want to, or we can change it up. But the, all, all that means is that I can't vote for the Gullwing again. And uh, so can Kevin. But um, Kevin, do us a favor and don't vote for the one you voted for first. <laughs> I'm going to math better this time around. I'll get this. I'll get through this round, guys. No, you can do I'm it. I'm glad you did. Rule, I, 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 the rules. We didn't make I thought the, the, the thrust had a good chance and then it died out in the second round. So I think we might have a good chance this time. Fizzled yeah. right out, yeah. All right, well, that means that we're going to do one more round of voting here, and that starts with Mr. Rich yet again. You can't vote for the thrust, although I'd like you to. All other cards you can vote uh, for, which includes your Mira if you'd like to go again. Well, I don't want to trigger a uh, voting for ourselves thing again, so let's go with the Goldwing. We seem to have some consensus on that. All right. His votes for the 300 SL Goldwing. Mr. Hatch, your vote next, please. You know, uh, I haven't voted for myself yet this round, so I think the Gullwing sounds great. Very nice. 
two for Galway. Dylan. I'm going to finish my story about the Cosworth you cut me off from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Please extend this number as long as we can. No. All right. Fine. Mira. Mira. All right. <laughs> my vote. <laughs> I was going to vote for the Mira, but I really don't want us to tie again. I'm voting for the thrust again. Thrusts for my pick. Can I get like yeah, a look at Kevin? He's gonna you, you know what he's gonna do. So we're gonna have a fifth round, whatever it is, fourth. Can I get <laughs> Kevin? Let's see. Can what I get you got. where the standings are at currently? What do we got for who for who? What? All right, we have two for Gullwing, one for Mura, and one for the thrust. Mm. All right. Well, I can't vote Gullwing again because I just said that last round. Right. And again, like I think we need to get like a this was top three spot. We need like a real high hitter up there. Like some cars really have changed the way cars were built after it was produced and you know chris rich he painted a beautiful picture as i've already referenced and like the mira we'll go there there it is all right mira here we go our, this might yes. be the only three round tie we've ever had so I, I will i will change my vote to the bureau and then we could uh then we, then we can move wait on. wait a minute you can do that next round you do not break the rules of the podcast just because you want to go faster <laughs> that was on kevin you can blame him for that not you <laughs> You, you painted the picture, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did. I did. It's my fault. Not yeah, only is that our first podcast with five people in it, it's our first podcast with three ties, which means now when we vote for our fourth round, and we're definitely taking a commercial break after this one, I'll tell you right now. Uh, but but Chris Rich, you can vote now if you want to go ahead and vote that one. You just you th- you said you could change it, but obviously you're not God, I, I'll, so you I'll can't change the nature. Yeah. You, you vote for the mirror. Okay. So he'll vote for the mirror. And then we have Chris Hatch up next. Yeah, I haven't voted for the mirror yet. Uh, so let's just let's just do it. Two for the mirror, Dylan. You can't vote for the mirror, Dylan. Oh shit! Sorry, we're doing it again. <laughs> you just voted for it. Uh, SSC. All right, and I'm gonna vote for the Mercedes W123 taxi. They're fucking talking. There we go. Yeah. Because, I mean, that thing's everywhere. Let's not deny that. Yeah, and to be honest, the thrust seems like an amazing vehicle, so. All right. So our winner for number three is the Lamborghini Mira. After a hard, contentious round, everyone got at least one vote. Like that. It's fair and honest, but uh, that's the pick. Well Mr. Hatch, please put it down on the ultimate list of the top three best car of all time, the Lamborghini Mira. Lamborghini. Lamborghini. And if you folks wouldn't mind, we're going to take one more commercial break before we round this list out to the top. Let's do it. Yep. Last commercial pick or not. Good. And she said, listen, baby, got something to say. Today's episode is brought to you by the all new 2023. Dodge Ram Cummins Diesel Big Horn. You got big horns and big balls. You're not going to want to be seen at the grocery store without one of these. So go on down to your local Dodge dealership. Pick yourself up a Ram 2500 Big Horn. Brought to you by the DJBP. I got a car and it's breaking my heart. But I find a We got to keep moving here just for the sake of everybody's time 
including my own. And we should get on to the number two pick uh, in the pod. And I think that Chris Rich went last, which means that Chris Hatch gets the first bite at the apple on this one, which is a number two pick for the greatest car of all time. Speaking about great power comes great responsibility. I mean, this is number two. Think about how contentious number three was. I mean, tread lightly here or tread heavily. I'm not sure what pick you did, but uh, please let's have it. All right. This is going to be a controversial one, uh, but I do believe in it. So my number two pick is the Tesla Model 3. Hey, I thought there'd be a Tesla on the list. I didn't know it comes so late, but I'm so glad it did. Why is it number two? Uh, I'd say because it is genuinely the car that uh, propelled EVs into the mass market segment. Uh, you know, the S and the X were cool, I guess, but they really were never going to be mass market. Um, and they really weren't accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. Um, I see what you did there. Accelerated. Very nice. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think with the Model 3, it really showed that, you know, it's possible to make a fun EV that is affordable, uh, you know, has long range, a great charging network, um, you know, and they've sold 1.3 million at this point, I think. Um, and I mean, they're outselling pretty much everybody else in that market segment or that price range at this point in North America. Um, and You're willing to state your reputation on it. it's outselling the Nissan Leaf? Uh, just by slight, slightly selling the Nissan All right. Leaf. It's your uh, It's also slightly cooler than the Nissan Leaf. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I owned a Volkswagen E-Golf, uh, which was an interesting EV. And while it was great from a practicality standpoint, in the sense that I put 44,000 miles on it and literally did nothing to it, uh, and it was cheap, uh, it was not fun to drive. The charging was atrocious. It barely went anywhere. Uh, you know, and I... There's no way you could sell that uh, in large volumes, but uh, you know the Model Three, while it never quite attained the the cheapness that they originally I think were targeting, um, it is still below the average cost of a new car in 2022. Which crazy metric? The average cost of a new car these days is like forty four thousand dollars or something. Is that um, right? Yeah, Jesus, it's gone up crazy. drastically. Even from like a year ago, I think it was like thirty eight thousand. Um, so you, you think of like, oh, I'm going to go buy a new car. Uh, you don't think you're going to spend 45 grand, but that's just the way it is these days. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I really think that it's a, it's a game changer. And that when we look back in history, 50 years from now, the, the model three will be like, oh, wow, that was, that was the turning point. That's when, you know, the, the automobile changed. And do you mind if I ask you a question? Because I've been wondering this with Tesla's anyway, and I knew you could probably answer it. Is that is there any chance that the secondary third market, like you know, how you can buy a Buickless Saber now for like a grand if it's even in good shape at all? Is there a chance like 10 years from now, I like someone like you know, me of humble beginnings can pick up a, like a model three and be like, Yeah, you know, it's not great, but like it still works, it can have it, or is Tesla so dedicated to the synergy of having it hooked up to the network and everything else. It's like, you can't even actually purchase one. In 10 years, it'll be you know, unusable. It'll be a big lithium ion hunk of shit that used to cost 40 grand. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think what we're going to start seeing rapidly happen is that there's going to be a ton of aftermarket support for the cars. And what I mean by that is. And they're going to allow that. 
Uh, I think they have to. I mean, legally, like I know in Massachusetts recently, they pay it past that um, right to repair law. And I think that's going to become more commonplace. And I think there's just practically, they don't really have a choice. Like at some point they have to let it happen um, because mm -hmm. people just aren't going to go to Tesla. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of a tricky scenario, but what I don't think a lot of people realize is that like batteries can and are being recycled in, in mass quantities. They have a very long lifespan um, and they're not, really any more difficult than an internal combustion engine to repair you just need the experience and the tooling to do it um so i think that it there may be like a, a lag so to speak um and it may take 10 or 15 years but at some point yeah i mean i think you should be able to bring the car to some independent shop and be like oh hey you know it needs this and they're like yeah well, all right no problem that's something we do all the time it's it's normal it's easy um so i wouldn't I'd say that in general, cars are becoming more difficult to work on, um, even internal combustion engines. So I don't think it's really going to be any worse for EVs. I think it's just that right now, people don't have experience with them and they don't understand them. And like anything that people don't understand or don't have experience with, they don't want to touch it. Yeah. And, and then the fear and the panic arises. Well, I hope you're right about that. And I won't press you any further, lest you lose your... Uh job because this podcast is so popular it's sure to get to your higher ups hundreds of thousands of people will watch this oh yeah and we did get to the higher ups he did defend company. the company sorry what you say Tom? i said we did piss off the uh ceo of uh a property management company so we, we, yeah we, we did we're movers and shakers on this podcast and we don't want to <laughs> take anyone down who's a guest so but yeah. i do appreciate you answering my question which means that the next proposal is to dylan reed himself that's me thanks for uh having me up next so you're welcome other host thank you other host um thank you so if you're my next two and i'm going to say one right now is has a lot to do with please only say one i'm gonna say one but i uh i long story anyways um i if you're anticipating a zombie apocalypse there are two cars that come to mind and for number two it's just one and it specifically is the <laughs> is the citron 2cv sahara bimotor four-wheel drive Jesus and Christ. why would i pick a citron 2cv when um this is you know it's a car kind of made of tin foil and well it's not it's it's just it's a very thin car that rides like a boat chris rich here knows more about them than i do by a whole lot um <laughs> besides the fact that it was a model car i always had growing up that was gray and with a black top um they made these you know starting in the what the 40s chris and then through the 50s and 60s i mean they uh yeah i think i think maybe early late, very late 40s and then yeah yeah through like the 90s Oh, really? I didn't realize it's been that long. Okay, so yeah. the Sahara edition yeah. is a slight different model than the typical 2CV. Um, the Describe Sahara it for edition, the people who don't have an expert knowledge of letters and numbers of cars. Yes. Um, I'm so, going to put the picture up here, but, you know, for the folks that listen to the pod. I think anybody who's seen a movie that was that took place uh, by the Eiffel Tower has seen a 2CV. Um, this is a French-built car. And the Sahara edition was built for exactly what the name is, Sahara. So um, the one thing that separates cars from airplanes besides the obvious is redundancy. So by that meaning, you know, two or three or four or five or six of everything. 
airplanes have two engines perhaps exactly multiple fuel pumps multiple engines multiple wings multiple whatever it is the 2cv was built in every single way to be something that is bulletproof reliable so it has obviously besides the obvious you know multiple wheels um it starts with the fact that it has two engines um just to start very unique that alone makes it very two engines powering four different wheels um, and they, they didn't stop there. That's not enough for the Sahara when things break down. You have no parts, no whatever it is. They went down to <laughs> No one wants to get eaten by a lion because their car died. Yeah, exactly. So just like you mentioned with the early 911s, they were air-cooled. This is air-cooled. So that removes, not a redundancy, but removes you know water cooling. So you don't have to worry about getting a bullet hole through the engine block as long as it doesn't hit anything. <laughs> no one wants fine. water to be an issue in the Sahara desert besides the one you're drinking. I should give to my car or to me. It's uh, a tough putt. <laughs> no, that's a great point. So they removed uh, a lot of gaskets to the car, including the head gasket. So they mated the, the head and, <laughs> and the engine block in a way where it doesn't need a head gasket. So that can never fail. Um, it has, um, there's uh, other features on here that, um, uh, you know, as far as the power units go, so it essentially has two different alternatives. Everything that could possibly fail, there's two of on this car. So if you have one that works, something is probably bound to fail, but you've got more than one thing. So this is a car that was made a long time ago that can still go for the future. And, and the parts are so simple. The car is so simple. Everything about it is designed to just be simple, easy, air-cooled, no gaskets, multiple engines, redundancy, car for everything two cv sahara edition did the non-sahara edition also have two motors ask chris no but the regular ones were basically just the french volkswagen bug mm. just a just a single engine and and joe the the two cv name sounds like just random numbers but it, in in french it actually uh, translates to deux chevaux which means two horsepower uh, is that right is not quite quite the accurate <laughs> rating in the forest that came out, but, but pretty close Wow. Putting two motors in the same car basically seems like a, you can't build a motor ultimately. So I don't know, Dylan, this is an interesting, interesting pick for you. Thank you. Uh, Kevin, yeah. I, I agree with you, but I'm also still happy to get on a plane that has two motors. You know, fair point. <laughs> ultimately, I guess. It's, yeah. Okay. Well, well that just counts a lot if you're either falling out of the sky or you're stuck in the lion's den. Right. It's designed. It's designed for people like uh, family members of mine who have had cars that have done oil changes on. And let's say it's 2018, and I take the oil filter off, and the date on there that someone wrote in Sharpie was 2006. So this is a end of the world car where oil changes aren't an option, and you're going to see how long this thing can possibly last with what it's got on it already. And <laughs> yeah, I figure the Valvolines, most of them will close down during the apocalypse. And I should be clear, the Zahara Desert's issues aren't lions. It's definitely the lack of water and nothing around you. And <laughs> motor oil and yeah. spare parts and whatever it is. So it sounds it, like- Basically, we are on the moon. Weird. You're on the moon with no fucking reach. So I'll bring you on to my number two pick, which is also very durable. And you folks might've heard this one. It's called the Willys MB. AKA the World War II Jeep, the workhorse of the United States Army and Marines and Navy, the entire thing. I mean, this thing basically launched the idea of 
civilian population having a Jeep. The Jeep Grand Cherokee we talked about earlier, I would argue, would not exist without this vehicle. Even the Hummer H1, H2, H3, HU. It's all about taking this durable workhorse of a vehicle that I would actually quoted for myself. It's quoted by Joe Collins is that I call it the AK 47 of cars. It's highly mass produced. It's durable. It's cheap. It's light, but it never breaks down. And Dwight Eisenhower called it one of the three top weapons in the military in world war II. the Willie, uh, Willie MB rather. And not only could it get through mud, muck, fuel problems, wherever you are in France, Italy, Japan, wherever you are. It's an amazing vehicle. And not only did it win or help win, I should say, World War II, which is one of the most important uh, wars of our time. It also launched an entire fleet of market cars. It's like, oh, want to have a Jeep at home? You've seen the, uh, you know, Douglas MacArthur rolling in, George S. Patton with his white-handled Colts. That's, that's, that's Jeep, what you call the William B. And it, not only was it super popular afterwards, it was highly instrumental in changing the course of the planet. And I think that beyond how stylish and fast it could be, the reliability, the impact, and then the aftermath, which is people are still buying Jeep Liberties, hanging themselves off the side of the thing, going off-roading, acting like George Patton. That's my pick for number two. The Willys MB Jeep. Boom. All Thanks right, Kevin. With with these two, uh, a tough act to follow after you guys kind of run through these two uber reliable vehicles. You know, kind of sticking with that reliable theme, I want to talk about the 2006 to 2010 BMW M5. Uh, <laughs> the absolute. I was wondering when this would show up. I should have figured there'd be more BMWs in the list. There's only been 12 of them so far. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, Wait, no, did you no, say no 2006 to 2010? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. E60? E60, yeah, exactly, yeah. Dylan. Interesting pick for number two. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, no, it's a reliable, reliable car. You know, this car, again, has a all-aluminum <laughs> V10, 5-liter, naturally aspirated, individual throttle bodies. Like, this thing made all the right noises. Chris was talking about Teslas. They don't make any noise. This makes the noises you want to hear out of a car. Uh, red lines like a little over 8200 rpms like nearly 100 horsepower per liter like we don't see that anymore right and then after bmw built this absolute behemoth things kind of started going downhill we started slapping turbochargers on everything and everything had an m badge on it this is like the pinnacle of like m car uh yeah we know it, it kills rod bearings it's kind of to be expected it revs to over 8000 rpms it's like it's a maintenance item so you know, if you're lucky enough to get one with a, a manual gearbox and not the ever, uh, you know, frowned upon ladies gearbox with an SMG gearbox, uh, you know, you're, you're going to spend a shit ton more money for it, but it's a real blasted drive. Uh, you know, Mr. Hatch had one of these. In Wait, what's early... a ladies gearbox? I've never heard uh, of this. Oh, and Chris, you want to you bring that down for us? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm trying to be the voice of the people here. Go ahead, Chris. So in, in the BMWs of that era, uh, most of the performance cars, you know, you could either have them with a traditional, uh, you know, six-speed manual uh, gearbox with a clutch, sure. or they had this automated uh, SMG, sequential manual gearbox. They didn't require using a clutch. SMG so you could shift pretty, without the clutch? Or you, it well, just shifts automatically? Well, there no clutch. You know, so yeah. for people that, that don't know how to drive stick or that don't want to drive stick, um, it, that was the default choice. 
the the problem with it is if you don't know how to drive stick and you drive those, they drive terribly. They lurch all over the place. They don't shift smoothly. If you know how to drive stick, they're phenomenal. They shift lightning fast, but you've got yeah. to lift off the gas when you're shifting and do all the stuff you normally do with a manual transmission. So, so it's like um, a Band-Aid on a broken leg. You might as well just solve the problem and just learn how to kind of. work it, a it, stick it shift. Was, it was made to be a motorsport-oriented gearbox in actual application by the people that bought them. It was purchased by people that didn't want to or didn't know how to drive stick and therefore had a terrible experience with it because that oh, okay. wasn't really the, the, it, the best user for it. But the, it, it was, the joke that Kevin was making is many years ago, Kevin bought an absolutely beautiful low mileage blue M3. And one of our coworkers at the time uh, walked by him and said, oh, Kevin, I, he was an Irish guy, I said, Kevin, I, I see you bought yourself a nice M3. And Kevin's, oh yeah, you know, I'm super happy. It's got this and that. And, and our coworker says, Shame you got the ladies' gearbox. <laughs> and, uh, the ultimate slap in the face. Hard <laughs> to the face there. What are you going to say, Mr. Hotch? Yeah, so the interesting part about it is it is still truly a manual gearbox, um, yeah. but it was just basically electronically actuated uh, by a computer. So the it takes the tough part out of shifting. Yes, but it doesn't drive anything like a normal automatic. So to, to Chris Rich's point, like, it didn't work well because the people who wanted a automatic wanted an automatic and instead they got a manual that was clunky as fuck. Yeah, yeah. two pedal two pedal automatic essentially, two pedal manual yeah. essentially. Well yeah. you 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 hire a robot like this inside the transmission tunnel somewhere <laughs> to actually shift it for you by <laughs> pressing a button. You're like, oh press it you you have to tell it to when to shift and then it makes it actually do the thing essentially. Um so yeah. it's not you know don't half ass two things where you can whole ass one thing. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, yeah. there's now a cottage industry in converting those uh, into a true manual. Um, there's actually a company in Framingham that makes all the bits to, to do that because, uh, as Chris Hatch said, you don't actually need to replace the transmission. You just take off all of the automated stuff, add a clutch pedal, and you know the thing is a regular manual trans. Um, I don't know if anybody's doing that for the E60, but uh, no, E46 M3, like S54 stuff for sure. I don't yeah. know if that's an E60 thing. Yeah, Probably I've is. seen the Z46 people doing it for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I will say though, I've only ever seen an S85 on fire. Uh, I've yet to see a S54 catch on fire. So, Stick around only time will tell. Yeah, raise raise your hand if you've heard a rumor about someone uh, going uh, maybe 180 miles an hour in an E60 M5 that you know. <laughs> 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 what was your average uh average speed driving from boston to new jersey chris uh it was 111 miles an hour and i don't think i could ever replicate it it's allegedly probably, probably shouldn't allegedly pump uh, it down coppers he's fine he's a safe driver no we one's gonna watch out. it it's fine you can you can admit who uh who the suspects <laughs> were on this uh specific run that yeah you're not in any danger ago. on this part well, was was that before ways yeah yeah i had a radar detector that was yeah it. i mean that's that's impressive well yeah i mean we so we drove over florida, florida right <laughs> and i right. thought we were going reasonably fast but our average miles per hour is only like 72 so yeah. the thing that's is the like, average though that includes stoplights it's like getting a zero on a test and you get 100 you get a 50 it averages out 111 was so impressive in fact i think i went over the george washington at about 140 which yeah. i think might be a record <laughs> That might be a record. You're up in there yeah, with the that thrust. That's a record for sure. It might not yeah, ever be funny. broken. 
But that being said, I, I hate to be the guy. We move on the podcast here. So we're going to go on to uh, Chris Rich with his vote for number two best car of all time. So number two, uh, I've got to pick the Audi Sport Quattro. So Audi came out with the Quattro, um, which was that's the model name. You know, currently that's the brand name for their all-wheel drive. But originally, yeah, I'm familiar with the Audi TT Quattro, which when I was yeah. uh, 13, I declared to my mom, "That's gonna be my first car," and she yeah. laughed in my face. <laughs> oh, there you go. You still have the opportunity today. But uh, back in the 80s, the Quattro was was not yet an all-wheel drive name. It was, it was the model name for a coupe. So it was a two-door coupe. That was one of the first, uh, probably the first performance-oriented car with all-wheel drive. Um, it had manual locking differentials, did all sorts of crazy stuff, had a straight five-cylinder stick shift. And that car evolved into an absolute rally monster. It was a tarmac uh, monster. And the, the ultimate version of it that was street legal was called the Sport Quattro, which was actually a short wheelbase, wide body with a 20-valve, five-cylinder turbocharged engine that that in street stock form made like 28 psi a boost so this was you know a 2.2 liter engine making you know in excess of 400 horsepower in the mid 80s so you know these days you know as uh you know as we talked about a little bit you know being over 100 horsepower per liter today is is extraordinary you know back then being way north of 100 horsepower per liter is something that that you could actually street, street drive and had heated seats and you know, you could put a license plate on uh, was extraordinary. So, you know, those cars were rust prone uh, for many years. They were sort of neglected and forgotten about um, the collectability of them has exploded in the last couple of years. But, you know, I think that that's brought us towards a lot of what is common in modern cars today, you know, turbocharging, relatively small displacement, uh, all wheel drive, you know, all sorts of things to increase traction and grip. And, you know, some modern cars are, um, are tamed down a lot, which is kind of interesting, you know, in some ways, it used to be that if you got to drive something with three or 400 horsepower, you really needed to know what you were doing because they were a handful. You know, these days, things like the Tesla Model 3, I don't know what that translates to in horsepower, but it's got to be 700, maybe more than that. Um, and you can drive them. You know, they're safe. You know, between the traction that they offer and the driver assistance that's out there with all these things, be it a Model 3 Performance or a Hellcat or whatever else. And driver you know, assistance is computer automated, saving you from yourself. Exactly. So you're less likely to to spin out uh, when you don't intend to do so. Dumbass insurance, in other words. Yeah, but you know it's really needed because these days your average minivan has more horsepower than your Ferrari did in the seventies. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's kind of you know calm things down. So I think the Quattro is an important car. It was a car that was hyper successful in competition, but also was kind of the you know the the uh, indicator of where things were going from a performance car car standpoint going forward, you know, small displacement, uh, high boost turbocharging, all wheel drive, um, and the ability to drive the thing quite a bit on the street if you wanted to. All right. Well said, Dylan, you're next up. Uh, didn't I already go? Oh, did you? We're, I yeah, only have four things Citron. written down here. Yeah. Citron. Did I miss Two somebody? CD. Oh, did we skip you? Oh, maybe me. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no <laughs> I, did, I did the Willy. We have the Citron, we have the BMW M5, the Willy MB, and, uh, and the Audi, and then Chris Hatch. I have the, the, te- the Tesla Model 3. Tesla, yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there he goes. That's all of them. So the voting will start with Chris Hatch. Sorry. Hatch. All right, well, so one thing I'd like to just throw out there is that Chris Rich made a good point of uh, 
ABS and stability control is a phenomenal invention, and that single-handedly has saved more lives than possibly any other advent in the last 25, 30 and years. And could you break down ABS? This is a braking system, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So it's anti-lock brakes, and every modern car these days has it. Most of them are probably a Bosch system. Yeah, but basically, because locked-up brakes killed a lot of people back in the day, right? Locked-up brakes spinning around. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's something that we frequently forget even exists. I'll give you an example. So Please. you all know it snowed a couple days ago on our commute into work? Yeah. Or not in Rhode Island. Island. Yeah. Good Lord. Not in East so Providence, anyway, am I right? There's this, this lovely <laughs> Tahoe. No, no snow like that around side, here. That East Providence, yeah. There's this lovely Tahoe in front of me. Uh, and it nearly went sideways, but the ABS uh, and the stability control caught it. Uh, and if it didn't have such systems, it absolutely would have been spinning down I-95 North. Uh, and I thought it was just interesting to see it because I was right behind the damn thing to see it in action. Uh, you, you don't really even think about it on a day to day basis, but uh, truly uh, pretty, pretty impressive engineering. And somehow that correlates back to me saying I'm voting for the Audi. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fucking phenomenal. That means Dylan's the next vote. All right, I need a quick read of the the uh, here we go options. We have the Tesla Model Three, the Citron, bi motor, all wheel drive, the BMW M5, 2006 to 2010 model, the Willys MB, the World War II workhorse Jeep, and the Audi Sport Quattro. All right, I think it's a no brainer with the Tesla Model Three. Um, really all i gotta say um i think it's the it's the perfect vehicle i hope in the next couple of years i can get one um or whatever's next after that but it was designed as the next people's car making evs affordable affordable for everybody else as well as not sacrificing things like you mentioned with the uh the golf um e-golf and the uh you know, um, all those other ones that are boring and lame, like you can have a cool car that has, you know, you know, creature comforts and heated seats and cool interiors, as well as a good range, good performance, all wheel drive, um, you know, being rechargeable, you know, you can find a way if resources go away with the apocalypse to keep any, to keep a model three running. Um, and as long as there's no, you know, EMP bomb type of thing, but uh, I'm all about the Model 3. I'm a, I'm a gigantic Tesla fan, being someone who's never even sat in one. Um, I'm down with the Model 3. Nice. Right on. I want to vote for the Tesla for my turn here because I think Tesla's cars are cool as hell. And I felt like it'd be tacky to put them earlier on the list because I think they're such impressive vehicles. I think it is the future of driving. That plus all the... The driver safety features, like the fact that people can fall asleep on the highway in their SUVs and the car just drives itself. I think mean, that's amazing. I know this might be sacrilege in this group of guys, but I love the idea of sitting in my car and it's just driving itself wherever oh, I am. Yeah, man. I know it's so fucking lame. And I'd be like, we want to feel the power. I know there's, there is the power. And um, for the record, I do know how to drive a standard. Not because I wanted to. I was forced to learn. And I'm glad I did. Tell us what it was. It. I remember. You feel the difference, and it is it is fascinating. But I would like to volunteer voluntarily have a separate car that I like to enjoy driving, rather than what Dylan said, my daily driver. I don't want my daily driver to be, always be. I'm shifting. I'm burning out gas. It's a pain in the ass. I would love the idea of just sitting on the way to work, hit go, and I'm going in. I just show up there. 
and at breakneck speeds synchronize with a network of however many cars are synced up go ahead scan my retinas whatever you have to do um and i would love to vote for that but i'm voting for the willies mb you guys are looking towards the future i'm looking towards the past the top two cars of all time this thing not only helped win world war ii it helped launch an entire legacy of home vehicles which i think the hummer has a lot to say about that and a lot of other you know civilian cars that wanted to be like I'm a big man. I have a military car at home. I got a Jeep Liberty. I got a Hummer H3. I like that. But it's not just about the badassery. It's about that the number one general of World War II who you enter to become the president. That was a big part of it. And like I said, I'm I'm leaning on the fact that it's the AK-47, which is a weapon. I think that we've said so many letters and numbers here. I should qualify that. It's the most durable easily manufactured is the most manufactured military vehicle of all time. I think even today, because of the amount that they pushed out here, um, I'm going to vote for it, but I love to me. I love me a Tesla. So we're going to have two votes for them. No, one vote for the model three, one vote for the Willys MB and one vote for the Quattro, which brings us into Kevin's vote for his number two pick for the best car of all time. Yeah, and like, you know, I have driven a Tesla, and I can tell you that the E60 M5 makes significantly better sounds, right? It also brings upon a, a sense of financial hardship to even own the car and maintain it properly. So you really need to be like accepting of that and willing to take that on. With that reasoning in mind, I, I'm, I'm saying the E60 BMW M5 is my number two pick. You got it. Yeah, that was funny that you and uh, uh, Chris Hatch and Dylan was like, yeah, this need more affordable ways. Like, is it? Is it? It's the more affordable sports car electric vehicle, but I mean, the, you can make it a little more affordable if you didn't have the, uh, what do you call it? Be, uh, right below plaid, what's that called, Chris Hatch? That's just the long range. I mean, I mean the, the mode you put your car in where you're just... Oh, ludicrous. Ludicrous speed, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, you can cut a little price off that. You don't go ludicrous yeah. speed on your daily driver or whatever. Yeah, but anyways, that makes us all Man. voting for one thing. Which means that, um, I mean, I have I have one vote each. It's it's, it's uh, Mr. Rich's vote for right, right for the next one, for the last vote. Yeah, I've I've got to go to the Tesla. Uh, you know, the I. Tesla. What I'm curious is, you know, is if I'd feel the same in you know 10 or 15 years from now. Um, right now, I definitely think the Teslas in general, and specifically the Model Three, has brought EVs into being a possibility for most people. Um, a lot of other uh, cars that became EVs by adapting a gasoline platform, uh, like Chris said with his, his e-golf, are perfectly nice cars, but they have severe range limitations. They have a lot of compromises with compromising luggage space or uh, handling or whatever else it is. You know, the Tesla is really a clean sheet design. So you get uh, excellent crash performance, you get excellent range, you get excellent handling, optimized suspension, and it really makes an EV actually a, a viable option for a lot of people. Um, you know, the price range is, is definitely up there, but so is everything else. You know, your average decent pickup truck is 60 grand these days. Um, you know, so I really think that that car has changed the changed the game and changed the industry more than anything else we've seen. You know, 10 or 20 years down the road, you know, will those still be serviceable? I think the aftermarket is going to step up. People are going to figure out how to do do-it-yourself stuff to keep a lot of things in the road. Um, you know, in the same way that, that 25, 30 years ago, 
most independent shops wouldn't look at an Audi or a Porsche or a Ferrari. And now you've That's got a good point. Foreign car market, you, you can repair anything there. And it was like out of the question, but now yeah. it's and, commonplace, know, the, right? The, the, the market adapts to the to the supply of cars that are out there. And if the cars are still durable and people want to fix them, people yeah. want to figure out how to keep them on the road. So um, yeah, I got to give it to the Tesla. That's our winner. Number two, best car of all time, the Tesla Model 3. Put it on the list there, Chris. We go. Well Before spoken. we uh, go on to number one, uh, Chris Rich, I just want to ask you about what's up with this uh, the El Camino with a fuel cell in the back behind you. That picture? That, that, cool. uh, that looks like an El Camino with a fuel cell highlight in red. <laughs> I've been staring at the whole time. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's actually a picture of my, uh, my boat. Um, ah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, we got so, a second. Yeah. Tell us about your boat with your awesome engine. Hey, let them talk yeah. so we can see the picture. No, hold, please hold the picture up and then keep talking. <laughs> so it's a, uh, yeah, there we go. Perfect. So it's a, it's a 68 correct uh, craft Mustang. So it's a vintage water ski boat. Uh, that giant bump in the middle is the engine. So uh, you sacrifice all practicality for having an enormous domestic V8 in the dead middle of the boat where normally you might want people to sit. But it's got a uh, Ford 351 V8. Uh, it makes glorious sounds. It's uh, it's really stupid and a lot of fun. That's oh, awesome. And just for just for everybody, that's the engine that came after the 351 Windsor. So this was the good Mustang engine of the 60s, right, Chris? Well, this this actually just for everybody, just for all the people who are or was this on was the this podcast. the Windsor? I forget. I thought I couldn't tell if you had the. The, is this the, the Windsor or is this the predecessor? The, 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 the engine I've got on the boat is a 351 Windsor. Which okay, is trunk yeah. And, it, and that's the truck motor. That's kind of what you want in the boat because it's torquey. The 351 Cleveland was the motorsport engine, which was in some of the higher performance Mustangs and in all the SCCA cars and stuff like that back in the day. And uh, gotcha. much higher revving, you know, better for uh, track use and stuff like that. But in a boat, it's all about, you know, low end uh, pull. So the Windsor is a good fit. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Damn, I'm about to buy a boat off of you right now. You're you're a good salesman, aren't you? <laughs> I bet you are. A thing or two, yeah. I bet you are. Sell water to a well. Uh, however, uh, the fuel economy of the boat is probably worse than the V10 and five. Probably better than the military vehicles, but uh, not by a whole lot. <laughs> That's what you call not applicable. We got the fuel. We're about the, the enemy. Fuel. So uh, one more thing before we get to number one is because I forgot to mention it is because we have our other guest here. This DJ guy. VP. His number six guest, his number six pick was the Trailblazer. His number five was the Oldsmobile Bravada. His number four was the Buick Rainier. Uh, his number three was the Isuzu Ascender. And his number two was the Saab 97X. And his number one is coming up soon. They don't count, but he just have to. He just does have to mention all of these things before we move on. <laughs> I'm slowly. Um, I mentioned it. I'm not putting the pictures up for the podcast. No, nope, it's okay. Um, but it's uh, this is a honorable mention. <laughs> honorable mention should be mentioned because I gotta say I did find uh, a little secret. Um, I did find this muffler body on the side of the road, actually right at the the cusp of the Beverly bridge in Beverly, Massachusetts. And I have no idea what it's from. It actually looks like a midsection um, from a truck, but it is, it could be from a Buick Rainier for all I know. I have no idea, but he is a unidentified, uh, his parents are unknown. That's all. But he does love trailblazers. We've adopted and he, him. 
the likings. So anyways, he's been here one. since the sixth episode. We just haven't shown him again until episode 51. That's true. Yes. It's worth it. So, um, all right, on to number one. So I, do we start with Kevin now? Or who's going no, it's, 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 it's reset the whole thing. I think that it's you, there, my friend, because we have one, two, three, four, five, and then number one is you. Today's episode is brought to you again by Shipboxes. There's nothing beats buying a car for $500, putting $10,000 into it, and then flipping it for $3,000. We love Shipboxes here in the DJBP. Go get yourself one or ten. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I, you have to punch yourself in the chest or, you know, breathe up. This is the number one pick. I know we got half ass of that, but this is it. This is it. You got to fight for your right to party here. This is number one pick for the best car of all time. And if you guys ever give a fuck about cars, argue for your point now because you don't want to lose to me. That's not going to be good for anybody. That's true. And right, I've so won every single fucking top 10 we've already done. So every single like, one. So there is a there, I think there is an obvious top number one. Um, but I agree with that, but I also agree with the future. It's similar to EVs and Teslas and this type of stuff where there is a future of a top one. And it's uh it's not something typical, it's actually called the Sherp. And the Sherp was featured on Top Gear a couple of years ago. It was really put into market um, with very strict standards, actually, to like uh, similar standards that they they follow for um, manufacturing medical devices, uh, ISO standards. Um, it's called the Sherp. What it's are you actually, talking about? ISO standards? Get to it. The Sherp? Let's fucking hype no, it I'm up. I'm saying this car. You're this boring the shit out of me. The a medical shit. standards? Let's fucking go. It's number one. Get the hell out of here. I want to hear fanfare. I want to hear about the fucking vehicle. What the even Sherp, is it? The Sherp is a chain-driven all-terrain vehicle that can be street is street legal. There's a guy in Salem, Massachusetts, who has one. His name is Rich Rebuilds, and he's on YouTube. Uh, he has a super popular channel. So this is a chain-driven all-wheel drive um, uh, vehicle that is all-terrain, and it is made in Kiev, Ukraine. Unrelated, but it is. Um, topical. So their headquarters topical. is based in Kiev, and it is. It looks like a tank but it can do anything. It has a range of over 2000 miles. It runs on a four cylinder, uh, Deuce and D 24, which is a 2.4 in line. Wait a minute. It has a range of 2000 miles. Does that mean it can go yeah. 2000 miles on one yes, tank? On one tank. Wow. So this is a car where if it's the end of the world, kind of fit in my theme of things, um, it can run for 2000 plus miles because it stores fuel in a fuel tank, as well as in the wheels, not in the tires, but in the wheels. Yeah. Um, and in so the hump. Uh, just like a camel's hump. Yeah, you're right. So, um, so um, it uh, it has won a million awards, a ton of competitions because of not only its range, its reliability, and the fact that it can float completely. So if you want to drive this through the ocean, you can. You can drive it through a lake, an ocean. <laughs> All those southern mudders who bring their F-250s and their monster trucks or whatever, so you can't get those mud pits. The Sherp is 2,800 pounds, and it can roll on top of any terrain, has like 10 PSI in the tires and they're huge. Um, 
it uh, you can fit you know a good amount of your friends in this inside of it, and it's completely sealed. So if there is any problems, nuclear attacks, water, whatever, um, it's not getting inside. Um, so my vote is the uh, is the Sherp. It's a people mo- mover um, that is uh, oh, super kick ass, pretty hard to beat, and has a crazy range. And every has another couple of redundancies as far as the drivetrain, the engine, <laughs> this type of stuff. I'm Good looking vehicle. at it. It looks like a train on wheels. Looks like a train on wheels. And it has a turning radius of eight feet. I, there's none other car on earth that can do an eight feet turning radius. So I picked the Sherp. Wait, that can do? Do you huh? mean it, it can have half its tires spin one way and half it spin the other way? Or eight it feet? It operates seems like a tank. It's chain driven from the rear end so it can turn like a tank. Yeah, yeah. So the one, the, the wheels turn alternately. So it can, oh, that's pretty fucking cool. It's no, eight feet because it's like eight feet long. So it just it just rotates on its spot and moves. It's longer um, than eight feet long, though, isn't it? Because I'm looking at it right now. It looks like a hundred feet long. No. Oh, you're looking at it with like the trailer. Oh, the, the train. The oh, it's just it's just the Sherp. just just the initial engine, the the, the what you call the uh, the cab or whatever on a train. Yeah, just the base Sherp, and it has like I said, it has like a really universal thing, and it's it's it 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 uh it follows a principle that a guy when I worked at Target when I was 18 told me. Yeah. He, uh, was able to use, you know, gear reduction to increase torque. So it has 74 horsepower, but 236 pound feet of torque just because it has so many gear reductions in the chain driven module. So it, it, it has a lot of power based off of just gearing alone. So it's a a cool vehicle. I choose the sharp for number one. Hell yeah, dude. Good pick. I will show both versions, the initial version and the train one. Um, That's fucking cool, man. The sharp never heard of it. Yeah. Made in Ukraine. And uh, everyone who votes for that uh, will donate $1 to Ukraine. For every $5 you donate to this podcast, we will donate $1 to Ukraine. That's a fact. And Chris Hatch already said he'd set up the GoFundMe, so we're going to hold him to that. Um, yes, that makes me the uh, number one pick. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to say, yeah, uh, coming this episode, we will have a, uh, a Venmo or a GoFundMe for um, production of this podcast and specifically to merch so we can give our guests like everyone here. Some fun swag. Yeah, Thanks for being here. All right. So my number one pick is uh, the ultimate car. Couldn't put it in earlier. Couldn't have put it in any later. It's the Ford Model T, the automobile. Not only is it the automobile that put automobiles on the map and made them be called cars, it changed the face of not only the United States, but the world. It made it irrelevant to have horses carriages fuck you tractors unless you're lamborghini no one gives a shit it changed the entire face of the world because not only did it have the affordability durability to have the modern american in 1910 buy a car it was one of the first vehicles in fact the first to be ever put on a production line that means no individual fabrication the cost doesn't have a your welders, your builders, building it up. You just say, stamp it, let it go. Stamp it, let it go. The thing is the first car for all intents and purposes, it's the Omega and the Alpha of vehicles. It has a super cool gear shift, which you had to use with your foot. It had the rolling ball pedals where you had to actually roll your foot over and have a technique to drive it. Although it was much easier to drive than the earliest cars, which basically you had to be like an expert to drive the thing. 
usual people could drive it, which now you look at a 16 year old kid driving an automatic and you're like, you don't, you know how to drive a car compared to the model T drivers at the time. I thought this is the easy way to do it. I'll just roll my foot over and go 10 miles an hour. The thing was built initially in 1908, but it is the highest selling car of all time for the longest period of time. 15 million sales of the thing. It was only dethroned in 1972 by the Volkswagen Beetle. And even then, it still holds the ranking of the top 10 best-selling cars in history. And it's the first, quote-unquote, modern car. It has the number eight slot of the top-selling car of all time. And in between 1900 and now, the world's population is about doubled which means that they sold so much then in between then and 1972 that it's still one of the top selling cars of all time. The thing is a workhorse. People still keep them for antiques. They're beautiful. They're still around. They are the quintessential car. It's like talking about hamburgers and you can't talk about McDonald's. This is the McDonald's of cars. It started it. It's still here with us. GM and Ford owe their lives to this thing. It's top speed, 45 miles per hour. Miles per gallon, 13. Pretty good at the time. And it's horsepower, especially after talking about these supercars, 20. That's 20 horses. That's about 19 more than your carriage that's bringing you to work every day. And it changed not only the face of the world, but the face of modern humanity, how we travel, how we talk, how we get to work, globalization economies change personalities change socialized gatherings changed well, how can i see you this weekend i have to take my horse and carriage there i'll take the car this is the car that is what cars are it's the model t it's the end all be all it's the obvious choice for number one and i can't even believe it's still one of the top selling cars of all time that's how popular it was and still is it is the car the ford model t is the number one car of all time. That's my pick. Yeah, that's a solid Damn. pick. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Chris, I'm sorry. You had something to say before I start running through my number one pick. Oh, I just said damn. Oh, okay, sorry. That was, that was pretty <laughs> intense. Damn, right? Yeah, well thought out, man. I, I too, am a, a big fan of the old blue oval for my number one pick. And... Uh, they share a lot of features from the old Model T, right? My number one pick is going to be the Ford Crown Victoria Police Interceptor. Okay. There we go. We're fucking Very talking. Nice. Now it's now it's number one. It gets contentious. Yeah, number one's getting hard. Yeah, you know, for for an absolute litany of reasons, right? This thing will get twenty four miles per gallon on the highway, right? That's amazing. Right, it's got cop tires, cop suspension, cop brakes, cop radiator, right? Like all the shit you want to just cruise down the highway and pass everybody who's sitting in the left lane, right? Beyond that, absolutely amazing benefit, right? If you pop the back seat up, who knows what you're going to find? It could be drugs, could be a handgun, various murder weapons. Like that's, that's shit that can't be rivaled with, right? They're also dirt cheap. They're, they're starting to get a little bit pricey these days. But again, you can find them usually for around two grand, um, Parts galore, virtually can't be killed. That's uh, why the Crown Victoria is taking my number one pick. Solid pick. I was surprised it didn't come up earlier, but that's because it came up as number one. 
Well said. I was like, who's going to pick the crown Vic? And you did pick it. as well. <laughs> That brings us on to Chris Rich for his number one pick. Well, this is not the most glamorous car, uh, but uh, we, are, we are going for number three in the Blue Wolf category. And uh, I got to give it to the Ford F-150. Um, it is the number one selling vehicle in North America uh, for the most you know, number of years running in its history. Um, it's a truck, you know, and we use the hell out of them. For a long time, they were work vehicles. These days, they're more luxury vehicles than anything else. Uh, you know, you can get a $75,000 F-150. You know, that's a light duty truck that's going to have, you know, effectively autopilot, a twin turbocharged V6, you know, massaging seats. You can get a Raptor, which you can jump in the desert and then also drive your grandmother to dinner and be fine. You know, these have uh, sold by the millions and millions and millions. They have been used for work. They've had the snot kick out of them by high school kids when they're 30 years old. Um, these days, they're luxury cars. It's a, it's to be a clear, really the high school kids 30 years truck. old or the truck is? Uh, it depends on how many times you repeat it first grade. Uh, I think it I might be both. The truck, yeah. But, you know, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's the F-150. It's certainly not the most glamorous vehicle, but I think we've all driven one at one period of time and got a lot of use out of it during that time period. And uh, I think all of us would be happy to have one in our yard for one purpose or another. And I think that that same exact thing applies to almost everybody out there. So definitely not the most exciting vehicle in the world, but I think it's significant. Well said. Chris Hatch, would you give us your number one pick? All right. For my number one pick, I am selecting the McLaren F1. Nice. Oh, then Christ didn't say another BMW. I was about to kick you off the pod. Oh, you'd be surprised, Joe. Just buckle up, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) The most notable feature is that it has three seats and the driver sits in the center. The second most notable feature is that it has a BMW V12 engine. (laughs) <laughs> seven liters of pure unadulterated sound and awesomeness uh i mean i don't know the, the mclaren f1 is just um one of those cars i remember like uh the first time i saw one when i was a kid and i was so excited to to actually see one in real life and i, I think i've only ever seen maybe two because herb chambers was an ass and put them in his fucking showroom uh which i guess you know i enjoyed looking at it but the herb chambers so you know i, I mean it's just uh what an amazing car uh the lm version specifically i think is a fantastic looking vehicle uh, i recently found some guy and somewhere that duplicated one in his garage and actually did a nice job with it and i think i texted kevin and said how do you make this happen um you know it's just a amazing car it held the uh, top speed record for i think like almost a decade um so super fast, lots of cool sounds, uh, very unique looking, uh, very mechanical. Um, I'd say it was kind of like the end of the supercar era. Uh, pretty much all the supercars that came after it were a lot more modern and refined, um, whereas this was still like really a just kind of a, a beast of a car and you know something that uh, I'm sure is just absolutely terrifying to drive. Uh, well, Even just driving in the center must throw you off. I mean, driving on the left or right side of the cab is like kind of you're in Europe or you're in America, but in the center, the center is a is unique experience. 
I think the center is the the center is the ultimate because it stems from carding where you're the center right there and oh, it's you have, sure. you know, I think center is the best it gets. Yeah, I mean it's it's truly basically just a race car made for the street, except that you can put your wife and your girlfriend on either side of you. Yeah, <laughs> I know where my vote's going. Tell yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my pick for number one. Well said. And it man. broke uh, just for a record. It, it broke the uh, top speed record from the XJ220, which was 220 yes. miles an hour, um, to what 240 something with the McLaren yeah. F1. And it's uh, a, actually. The Jaguar was only 217, and yes, it was 240.1 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, um, and it's the it's it's super small when you see it in real life. As of like supercars today, kind of look, you know, they're they're just getting out of control, and it never ends. This was the last step of like it's, you know, it's just getting crazy now. This was like a, a perfect car in every way. And then it just got out of control after that. And now it's like, okay, cool. We're hitting three miles an hour. And no one really cares as much. It stopped the McLaren F1 in my mind. The pinnacle. You sound like me for Blue Whale. Just selling a forum. Yeah. I, I, hey, McLaren F1's great. So. Fuck yeah. And the voting starts with you. This is the number one vote. So take it very seriously. I don't mind a tie, but. People should not be discouraged in defending their vote here because it's the end of the pod. So number one car, if you ever cared about your list, care about it now. Dylan Reed, please take it away with your vote. So I got to, I got to pick something that I feel like for the, like the best car of all time. Yes. You know, like you have to factor in a lot of things. You have to factor in pretty much literally every aspect. So you're going with, I would say so. So this is what it comes down to reliability, parts availability, um, you know, gas mileage. Wait, parts speed. availability comes into this. I should have like. Oh, it comes into better. fucking everything. Well, Joe, you you can make parts from ninety percent of you know Model T's had handmade parts, you know, and especially the farm ones. So it's a great pick. Um, so it just it just factors in everything, literally everything. So so for my pick is um I, I gotta say you know it, it falls in my category of the it, it aligns with the philosophy of my list already kevin it's gonna be crown vic dude i think that cops taxi cabs anybody who's been in new york city taxi cabs which is you know not really a thing anymore it is but ubers you know they got four hundred thousand miles on them and sure they're fucking control arms and ball joints and shit are fucking rattling every time they go everywhere but they're still going 70 in a in a 25 it's working for them it's all good i pick crown vic i think it's um it's one. It's the honestly. I think it's the AK forty seven cars. Joe, sorry to burst your fucking balls, but well I done. think it's um, that is the car that you would take to Mars or to another planet. Is is honestly the Crown Vic? <laughs> Straight up sandbag on Tesla over there because <laughs> he's taking that car to Mars <laughs> for sure. Yeah, well, that one's not in Mars. It's in space still. So that was the one they're taking to Mars is going to be a Tesla. He's not going to take a crown Vic there when he launches his fucking space fleet and leaves us behind. Never say never. Yep. Good fucking pick. I actually should say that I thought that Dylan would have put the crown Vic on the list earlier. So I, I'm surprised that Kevin put it on. I'm like, I can't believe that Dylan didn't put the crown Vic. It should have been the list. I was like, Dylan's putting the crown Vic on there for sure. I picked and, LLV instead of crown Vic. Cause I can't have constant, public service vehicles as my entire list <laughs> <It doesn't make laughs> yeah. Any sense. yeah no that's fair enough but um, i'm gonna 
stick to my guns here. And, and as much as I would like to stick to my guns, much like most of the drivers of a crown Vic, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to pull them out at any time, whenever it's needed. And I'm going to pull away the intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. And I'm going to pick the initial pick. I'm going to ride it out all the way through, which is the model T Ford. Although all the other cars are great workhorses. They wouldn't be nowhere without this thing. It is the, it's the baseline. It's, it's the building blocks that make all the other cars that we have today. It wasn't even called a car. It's called an automobile. And now we call them cars. That's my vote. All right. Growing up, I had this poster, this massive poster on my wall in my bedroom. And it definitely like shaped a lot of my interest in cars growing up over the years. And I got to be honest, that car was a bright yellow McLaren F1 LM. And it was a beautiful car. I probably wouldn't be in the cars if I didn't have that poster all those years ago. So McLaren's got my number one pick. And what was the name of the girl who was strewn about the car? Do you remember oh, her she, name or she was a decoration? Yeah, she was, uh, she was in the background now. The car was taken center stage. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. But the car is much more memorable. You know, you, yeah. you can't find a McLaren F1 LM anywhere. Yeah. The lady anywhere. No, yeah, well, the wow. car endures. Jesus. Yeah. When I was trying to, you know, put my head together on this, I tried to think of the car of the vehicle that had, you know, the most substantial impact on the market and all this type of stuff. Model T is a great choice in that in that thing. Uh, Crown Vic's a great choice. You got the F-150 is a great choice. But then Chris comes in with the F1. And, you know, it as Kevin said, I didn't have the poster, but I mean, that was the supercar of supercars when I was growing up. Um, it's also important to know, you know, it's got this massively powerful BMW drive V12. It didn't have ABS. It didn't have traction control. It's manual transmission. Um, it, it is one of the last of the truly raw, crazy supercars. Um, you know, the Porsche Carrera GT probably bumped it for craziness a little bit, but I think the McLaren was, was a, was a much better rounded and more capable car. But it was up to the driver to handle the vehicle. You couldn't have the computer system yeah. and the brake system to help you out. You had to be able to handle it like a wild Mustang, and, and, the horse, and, not the car. But the other thing too there is that the McLaren was capable of that. You know, that car was successful at Le Mans. You know, it was successful on the world stage in, uh, in you know, many different uh, competitive events. So, you know, it, it not only theoretically was good enough to, to, you know, be that car, it really proved it. Um, proved and, it. Uh, when Chris and Kevin and I all worked together at uh, at a BMW dealership, we had Herb Chambers' silver F1 sit in the showroom. It happened to be right in front of my desk for like two or three months. And at that time, that car was probably worth three or four million. You know, so we'd have kids run over to it and be jabbing at the door handles trying to get in. You know, wiping boogers all <laughs> over the glass. And, you know, we'd kind of freak out and be like, "Hey, you know, you got to." The parents would be sort of like, "Hey, you know, why can't my kid get in it?" It's like. You know that this thing is literally worth more than your house. And yeah, let you let the kids walk yeah, into your basement and see how much you care about the car now. A lot of money, you know, but like this is really, you know, most people wouldn't be leaving this thing sit here. So uh, it was just crazy to have that there. You're so right. It just up. truly shows how much of a deuce Herb Chamber was would be put his three million dollar car in the showroom and be like, take that. So we we used to have a car show there like once every couple of months, and uh, that was there for that reason. And then he would just sort of leave it there to be you know, to be displayed or whatever. So he was kind of, kind of 
it was kind of like a hey look at my car collection it's a little it douchey like, though isn't it because he didn't care about the snot he knows the kid's snot's going on the car but he's like i would rather it, people see my three million dollar investment than have it be me, protected I, I, I thought it was kind of neat because I, i'd never be around one of these cars and i never will be again so you know there, there was a day when uh, herb was coming in with two reporters from the boston globe and uh, he ended up taking them out on the highway and they interviewed him and he basically said you know uh I got invited to, to drive this thing on an airstrip in England when it was new. And, you know, so I flew over there and I said, well, I'm sure this will be a fun test drive, but there's no way in hell I'm spending a million dollars on a car. And that's what those cost when they were new. And they put him out on the airstrip and got him up over 200 miles an hour. And he was like, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> Looks like I'm buying a car. So, so you know, he bought it. And he says in this interview with the reporters, he said, I thought that this was just, you know, a complete uh, waste of money and a stupid decision that I'd sort of, you know, fallen into, but I figured what the hell, you know, it's, you know, I work hard and I've got some money and uh, fine. And then, you know, it turned out to be uh, a wonderful investment. And he says that at that time when the car was at three or four million, that car happened to be serial number 44, which is Lewis Hamilton's number. So, oh, so add extra percentage on that. Sold at auction in 2017 to Lewis Hamilton for 15 million. Whoo. So, 15 uh, yeah. times profit, ain't eh? shit. I mean, and and he and he actually drove the car quite a lot. I think the car had like 10 or 15,000 miles on it by the time it sold, which was unheard of wow. for that car. So, also, the day before he came into the reporters, my boss's boss came over to me and he said, Hey, you know a thing or two about cars. We got to make sure that the battery in this thing isn't dead. I want you to get in it and start it. And I said, I, I really have no interest in touching this thing. You know, th this smart man, like, I don't. You know, if I break something in here, this is not going to go well for me. And, you know, like if if I got to drive it, okay, sure, I'll risk my job. Fine. Yeah, I'm just starting but it and risking my you know, thirty thousand dollars for breaking the not key. Not whatever. interested. Like, like literally not interested. Sure. And uh, my and so at the time we had it connected to a trickle charger, but it was the original one that shipped McLaren. It was a little finicky, so it wouldn't always connect. Whatever. And my boss's boss pulls me aside and says, "Listen." If your foot slips off the clutch and you launch Herb's F1 through the plate glass window in the front of the showroom, Ernie Bach is going to hire you tomorrow. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> You're going to play bass for Ernie in the automatics next week. <laughs> I said, all right, that's fine. And so I got in and fired the car up, but that was that. Wow. That's fucking a great story. So, Thanks for telling yeah. that, man. That was yeah, great. that's awesome. I've never met anyone who's ever started with Clear F1, but we've got one in the podcast today. That's I'm cool glad Chris. that Chris Hash brought it up just for the stories alone. I mean, obviously, these three guys were loaded up with the F1 stories. They're like, yo, yeah, that's our, you know, we all know about the car. You know, we yeah, know well, saw and, it there in the show thing floor. That no one, I'm, I'm shocked no one mentioned yet, but like, so, um, compared to the competition, so the McLaren F1 was against the 959 and the Ferrari F40. And the McLaren F1 is the only naturally aspirated, so no turbos, and it didn't require magnesium wheels, which the 959 had. It was the most raw, like organic supercar that has really ever existed. Um, everything else had a little bit of extras on it. They all had very, they're all very simple to begin with, but it was still the most simple of the simplest era of supercars and defined everything for us. So love it. All right. Uh, Mr. Hatch, you get the next vote. Yeah, and I, th I think it's important to mention that uh, actually, despite the next generation of supercars, which would be like the Carrera GT and the Ferrari Enzo, they were actually slower. Uh, McLaren's top speed was quite a bit higher. Uh, the Carrera GT was 208, and the Enzo, I think, was 220. 
so I mean, that I think that just goes to show how impressive of a car it was, despite it being built 10 years earlier. Um, it still was untouchable. Um, Are you really blowing up the thing you're about to vote for, which is your pick? We get it. It's a great pick. Go ahead and vote for your own car. So, uh, you know, I think that the, the Crown Vic <laughs> would have been would have been a great number one, but, you know, I'm going with McLaren. Hell yeah. McLaren. That means that with a, with a three out of two, right? McLaren F1 takes the McLaren number F1. one pick for the top car of all time. Well done. Influential, simple. Uh, how much bigger of a uh, car is than a Miata? I mean, it's like a small car. Um, it's oh, just, yeah, I, mean, it's, I can't imagine it's terribly comfortable to actually drive, but I would absolutely do it. And I'm kind of jealous. I, I've never started one. Yeah, I'm jealous too. I got to say when I had back, you know, I, I had back problems and one of the most comfortable seats for me is a fixed back racing seat at an angle just because it's supportive. So I can, I can see myself daily driving, not happening, but McLaren F1, there are worse cars to daily drive. I do have to say that. Mm. Um, the only problem is the that fact that you are one overly anxious because you're going to be speeding a lot. Um, that's the only stress you'll really have um, besides the usual stuff. But uh, all right. Awesome. That'll do it until our final thoughts. Let's go. We're going to start off with uh, Mr. Kevin over here. And I think your last name is Waters by your name. You would think correct. Yes, Kevin Waters. Mr. Uh, Waters, can you give us your final thoughts on the top 10 cards? What do you think with the list? You think actually top six, top I, six. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, top six. And also I should pitch it over to Mr. Hatch, who has the top six list here. Could you read it off for the audience here before we give our final thoughts and wrap up the podcast, please? Thank you. Read them off for us, would you? So I can show it to you uh, just in case you want to look at it. And Give so, us a read. We want to hear you say it. Yeah, let's hear you say it. Number six, we have the Eldorado car yeah. hauler. The, the car hauler. Yeah. Towing machine. Uh, at number five, we have the Grumman LLV, a.k.a. the mail truck. Hell yeah. Nice. See them everywhere. Nobody knows it's called a Grumman, but now you know. <laughs> At number four, we have the E36 M3, European edition because it had the cool motor instead of the, the ladies' motor that we got over here in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at number three, we had the Lamborghini Maiora, which uh, was built by a man with a tractor. There we and go. At number, <laughs> number two, yeah. we have the, the Tesla Model 3. And finally, to, to round this off, at number one, we have the McLaren F1. There it is. That's McLaren F1 taking number list. one. So it's on to Kevin to go down with our with, with his final thoughts on the top six. What do you think about the list there, Kevin? You know, honestly, like, I know I voted for the McLaren for number one, but, I, like, if I can go back, I would definitely say Police Interceptor, Crown Vic, like, just personal choice, ultimately. Uh right. But, you know, I, I think ultimately the list is pretty well-rounded and inclusive. I would think we we definitely, if you'd have me back on this here podcast, like, 
which I would love to do, by the way. And uh, we would. I think I, I, come back I would like yep. to like th- throw some like more like qualifiers into this where we start throwing like dollar values. Like you can't exceed like $10,000 and you come up with a list that way. Ooh, that sounds, really, that sounds like kind of like a lemons plan. race. It sounds yeah, like, like. Kind of like tighten up the parameters a little bit. Like, you know, this, this time we had some really loose, you know, range to go in like dirt cheap cars to, you know, a $15 million Lewis Hamilton car. Like, yeah. The, the the range is, is wild and I think we did a good job of kind of you know covering all the basis of the the six to one and it's it's been fun had a good time yeah well uh we do have a spoiler for a coming episode uh, uh that uh, Chris Hatch has been very eager to have which is just based around EVs so you guys are back you guys are back soon you want me for the EV one okay cool we definitely do we know that you have uh you have some experience with EVs right slight yes chris rich what are your final thoughts this is a blast i definitely look forward to the next one uh you know what do you think about the list i think the list is great i think it's a super bizarre uh concoction of different vehicles that suit all different things but i kind of enjoyed that you know kevin's point is a really good one that it probably would have made sense to put some parameters on this be like this is the best municipal vehicle that you know, it could also be street register or whatever. Uh, but this is also kind of fun to just screw around and talk about random stuff and, you know, see what comes out of all of our heads because there's a lot of knowledge uh, in mind that uh, is very rarely useful. So on the very occasion that it can be applied, it's it's kind of enjoyable. So this was, uh, this was great. Thank you guys again for hosting. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Mr. Hatch. I'm, I'm no, no pressure, but I'm dying to hear your final thoughts. I want to hear Chris Hatch, his swing at final thoughts on the Dylan Joe basement podcast. Uh, well, I guess for my final thoughts, uh, first and foremost, I'm just uh, really excited to have had the opportunity to come on here. I've watched all previous 50 episodes. Um, so, you know, it's uh, we are not worthy. We are not worthy <laughs> we need to, to be, be, be on the podcast. Um, and I think that we had a, a great topic, and I think that the the top six is is pretty great. It's pretty well rounded. Um, we've got helps that you won the number one slot, right? Doesn't it feel good? <laughs> well, I mean, you've won all the other ones, so it it seemed to be fitting. So I know how it feels. It feels pretty great. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we had things from like you know a couple thousand dollar Grumman LLV all the way to a, you know, $15 million McLaren F1 and, and anything and everything in between. Um, and besides just the, the ones that made the list, I mean, I think that all the cars that we talked about are very cool and very influential in their own right. Um, so exactly. was, all the votes were very good all around all the picks, even the, um, the Dodo from the first round. Even the well, Jeep and, Grand Cherokee, which made an appearance, they're all good cars. They should have all. Once you won. guys, and once you guys see the Dodo, you'll know what I'm getting at. So, um, so it's, you know, I'm here for final thoughts. If it's my turn, is that cool, Joe? Oh yeah. All right. So first off, um, we wouldn't be uh, anything without our guests. You guys are uh, three of the best guests we ever had. Super pumped about cars. We had a whole other group of people, including. Uh, you know, all sorts of stuff that we share on Facebook that are just going to love to hear us talk about interesting cars. And we got, you know, six times uh, five cars, which is 30 cars to go about. Um, I think our, our top list is, is best said by Chris Rich. Um, can't say anything better about it besides it's a, uh, what'd you say exactly? Not not a weird list, but a, um, 
Uh, uh, I don't remember exactly. But stupendous. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> right. He'll yes. say stupendous list. Uh, yeah. Like an oddball list of cars. Um, in the future, we have more lists to come. We love the top 10 uh, format with guests and it's great. So uh, the one thing uh, I do have to mention, Amalentian, um, besides uh, our buddy here with his list, which was a mix of different Chevy Trailblazers. Uh, he did, uh, we went through his list, Chevy Trailblazer, Oldsmobile Bravada, Buick Rainier, Isuzu Ascender, Saab 97X, and GMC Envoy. And for those of you who don't know what that is, they're all exactly the same car with almost like, a, they're literally the exact same car that were rebranded by different manufacturers. Different yeah. 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 Different interior, different bumpers, different badges, the exact same car. It's a pride of the marketing the department rather than engineering. And that strategy worked so well that not only are none of those models still in production, but three of the brands are out of business. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, perhaps we'll... so our, our, our exhaust robot here totally gets it. Um, I do want to, my, my, it's final thoughts. I do want to mention the uh, Toyota Hilux. Um, this is a vehicle that has been, um, if there was a top 10 list by someone else, it would have been Top Gear. And they did have a, a whole segment of Toyota Hilux of trying to kill it. And they really couldn't like no oil running on sand and it still didn't die. So I just have to throw it out there. It didn't make the list for whatever reason, but that is a car that is uh, definitely a top sixer um, alternate list. Um, Toyota Hilux, which in U.S. is the Tacoma um, and the uh, Forerunner. So, um, yeah, well, awesome. That's it. I think McLaren F1, awesome pick. Um, super pumped to uh, to have that as number one. So we'll see you guys. Uh, yeah, we'll wait, 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 my final thoughts. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you did it already. And no, you don't have to go last. Go along with it. Uh, all right. Real quick. I, thank you. For okay, Joe, you can go. Yeah. No, no. I'll, I'll right. thank you. I'll thank you in a moment. I'm just saying this list was awesome. Obviously, I was a little apprehensive. I was out of my depth here. Four car experts, to be sure. Not just car experts. Not you like driving cars. All of you guys know the ins and outs of driving motor vehicles. And it was an honor to be part of this list. I had to put a couple of goofy cars out there to be part of it. Didn't get any on the list, but I loved it. It was a great time. It was great meeting all you guys, for sure. I mean, we've been we've been this podcast for some time now, pushing down the road to get five people on the same podcast. And I, I had a fucking great time. And I learned a lot about cars. And, uh, you know, Model T should, still should have won, but, you know, I'd be salty. It's fine. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was great. It was a great run. Sorry, Dylan. Go ahead. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm Chris Hatcher saying something. What do you got? Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, I appreciate you bringing up the Sherpa. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to go in on one, uh, I kind of feel like that would be a fun thing to just roll around in. Kevin, I, can I, you I your acres? one off-roading, though. Oh, you really? can just keep it at the U-Haul uh, lot in uh, School Street in Hudson. No biggie. Right. We are well, we are well known there. You are right, Joe. Um, <laughs> they were our place. I used to live on that road. I didn't even know there. This is I, I walked in there and store. Dylan said, look at this. And then the big rubber rat came out and I was like, good Christ. I saw this thing spinning wheels like four years ago. It's been right on the road for me the whole time under my nose. The rat well, is still alive. Oh, rat thank God. Alive. The rat's still alive. It's in Chris's driveway. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank our guests. What do you think, Dylan? Uh, pretty great, huh? 
Yeah. Thank you guys. We'll see you guys next time. And as always, thanks for spending your Thursday night with us and uh, we will see you back for more, uh, for more guest episodes about something else, probably car related or not. Hell yeah. Do any of you guys want to promote any of your own shit now? I mean, that's not a big reach, but what do you want to talk about? Give it the last word for all of you. Thank you so much, Kevin, Chris, and Chris. It's been so cool having you guys on and thanks for holding on for so goddamn long for this top six list, but appreciate it. Any last words you want to, whatever you want to just say whatever you want kevin let's say thank you guys for having me had an absolute blast i am absolutely starving so i'm gonna go eat some dinner but again yeah right on, thank, man. You. Thank, thank you for having on for us appreciate absolutely, it man. thank you yeah thanks kevin yeah. thank you guys for having us on this was a blast i've uh, been, been watching a bunch of your stuff awesome to be a part of it finally and definitely keep us posted for the next one you got it thanks chris yeah. Mr. Hash, yeah, any mean, last words before we close this thing out? And then you hear, hear the little song at the end. Uh, you know, I'm just, um, I can't believe it really happened, and I think I might go shed some tears now. That's the end of the podcast. Happy. Yeah. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Everyone enjoy your dinner. Get back like a thousand pound payload so you can tow something with it um and it has uh you know a hundred my girlfriend and me (laughs) exactly dude if you want to go on a date and have an interesting conversation pick her up in a mail truck that's all i'm saying so um i'd be like honey i come rain or shine or sleet (laughs) or (laughs) exactly cwr is your turn there big shoots so for uh if that's a letter kidding reference that's it is well, well yes. done. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think nice. you get it. Park that thing on the curb at Logan and go on vacation for a week, and it'll still be right where you left it when you came back. Idling, still running. <laughs> kind of like you go and you, you pick your your ingredients, and you can make your own 911. Uh, and of course, we'll charge you. For all these <laughs> I'm gonna cut clear. that part out for the promo video. <laughs> pick your ingredients, make your own 911. The Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. Less Japanese sounding than Datsun. Yeah, no, they should have called it Dodge. <laughs> they didn't want to bring it to the, the U.S. market that soon, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to. The pressure to pick one of these two. You pick what your heart's content is. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad to see you've moved the podcast to your sauna, which I didn't know you had. Dude, my, <laughs> I got my ceiling sauna too. <laughs> We'll have to stop. That's crazy. Very, very <laughs> cool. Don't, don't get There's a lot of wood in that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you have heat stroke, just wave your hand and we'll call your wife and she'll come rescue you. Oh my God, in the meantime, like, please give us your vote. And, uh, Mira, we'll go there. There it is. All right, Mira. Here we go. Our, this might yes. be the only three round tie we've ever had. So I, I will, I will change my vote to the bureau, and then we can, uh, then we, then we can. Move wait, on. wait a minute! You can do that next round. You do not break the rules of the podcast just because you want to go fast. <laughs> that was on Kevin. You can blame him for that, not you. You, you painted the picture, Chris. I'm sorry. I did. I did. It's my fault. Um, we've got helps that you won the number one slot, right? Doesn't it feel good? Well, I mean, you've won all the other ones, so. It- it seemed befitting. So I know how it feels. It feels pretty great. <laughs> yeah, exactly.